Welcome to Unbooking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the beginnings and ends, the first and last, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. Eight NXT rookies. Eight WWE pros. One dream. half of your hosting duo Dan Griffin joined as ever by my partner in podcasting piss eddery UTT Rob Rob how are you mate I'm good I'm good town have finally won so unfortunately I I didn't have uh, November for the month of the girl competition not the girl of the month (laughs) the month of the girl and and I managed to uh, to go to Spurs away and see Liverpool's first away win so so we're all we're all happy happy football fans well at least me and you are well, we're, still, we're still five points from safety. I wouldn't say we're happy, but <laughs> yeah, but you're a Huddersfield fan. You've got to take what you can get. You've been saying yeah. that to me. For, you've been saying that to me as long as I've known you. Exactly. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it today because it's a it's a rare a rare four man booth, and we've got a returning guest who uh, I guess we'll get out of the way now. I was going to plan out a big intro, but I've uh, I've actually done all the planning for the uh, for the second guest. So uh, we've got the we've got the Don of SJP World Media, uh, a guy who puts up with um, just about as much bullshit from me as you do, Rob. And we've got Cy Powell back. Cy, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Thanks for having me back, boys. Yeah, it's been a while. It's it's good to have you back on, and uh, uh, this is something of a, uh, a crossover episode and. I must say, lads, I feel underdressed because we uh, we are actually joined by royalty uh, as well. <laughs> we have the king himself, Joshua Goodwin from NXT Rise and Fall. Joshua, how are you, my friend? Oh, mate, I'm all right. I'm just a little concerned that you've given me higher billing than the boss. Yeah, yeah but it's the only side. Bloody hell, the boss. <laughs> I, call, I, call I call him the Don or whatever I just did to blow smoke up his ass. Come on. <laughs> I don't I know, I don't require think... no smoke blowing. Thank you very much. I'm I'm good without that. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. I'm just worried about being future endeavoured. You know, just trying to keep my head down. <laughs> you might get promoted to the main roster. You know, it's uh, size got so many shows up there. He's promoting NST as a development brand. <laughs> <laughs> what we need to do is just get him on as much cocaine as Tony can, and then we'll all get top billing. It'll be fine. He says I'm not already. <laughs> You don't have the energy. <laughs> no, I don't. No, that, with my allergies, mate, it'd be a waste of 50 quid. I'd just sneeze it back out. <laughs> <laughs> that's why That's why your pets and your kids are always running around like mad things. Yeah, because my coke's just all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and we're getting magnificently sidetracked already. So, yeah, we're, we're doing a bit of a crossover episode, as I mentioned, with uh, with Cy and Joshua from NXT Rise and Fall. Um, I'll just mention it briefly before we get into it properly. We are going back to the very, 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 very first episode of NXT, when it was more the game show NXT, from uh, from February 2010. 
But first, as is tradition for new guests, Sai, you can just, I don't know, go for a, a shit or something for a bit. You, we don't really need you for this bit. Uh, we've given Joshua some homework because, you know, most podcasts will say, you know, how did you get into wrestling and all the usual conversations. Uh, but we're genetic freaks and we're not normal, so we gave you some homework uh, and we asked you to rank our five factors of uh, in order of importance for you in terms of... And you, you've got a choice, really. It could be either... Uh, importance of when you're watching wrestling or when you're actually wrestling or just a combination of the two, however you want to view it. Okay, so anyone who's seen me on Twitter will see that I always say it depends on your metric and it depends on when, on what it is you're particularly grading. That being said, I mean, so production, actually, I'd rank a lot higher than most. Like, it's not one, but it's certainly like one or two. Commentary, actually, commentary probably adds a hell of a lot more than people give credit. So I definitely throw that into a much higher stratosphere than people think. Wrestling work, actually, actually probably lower down than people think, especially for like a television product, simply because except you've, you've seen some bloody awful wrestlers and they're yeah. still megastars. And they're still megastars. I guess may, maybe at the bottom of that list is probably the crowd, but. Maybe not because I'm I'm immediately thinking of um, Money in the Bank 2011 with CM Punk and everyone losing their mind over how incredibly good that match was and it was a very good match but I don't think it would be heralded as it is without like just that Chicago audience just going absolutely nuts so for everything that they see. Yeah, and the other classic example of that is is uh, is Rock and Hogan from WrestleMania 18. Rock and Hogan, basically everything that happened at ECW. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of good examples. <laughs> to be fair, there's a lot of things that happen in the later years of NXT that the folks are just on board for. So makes a big difference if, if the crowd are there for it. But I think it's really interesting what you've said about how important the wrestling is, given the debate the Miz and uh, Daniel Bryan are going to have on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a, it's an interesting quandary, I suppose. But again, I think that that actually comes back to it's very much about your audience and knowing your audience more than anything because for some people they're going to want like a work rate wrestling sort of a product and you're going to also have some individuals that you know they're looking for sports entertainment yeah well this is the whole thing you know when, when we put these these factors out there we always say it, it's most to least important none of the factors is unimportant it's just what we as we as fans are or people like yourself as you know with actual you know, wrestling, wrestling experience and what have you, just how how differently we see things. Um, you know, we had uh, we had James Carr on recently, who's a, who's a who's a fan, a wrestler, and a promoter. So it was really interesting to get that vantage point. So if I, can I just ask you, just to because I know you said you put certain things higher than others or in a higher stratosphere, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. If we can, if we can try and if we can try and like narrow it down to most to least important, with the proviso that none of them are unimportant in the grand scheme oh. of things. You mean I'm going to actually have to voice an opinion? Yeah, um, come on. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not having you get splinters in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Okay, so storyline I'd put as number one because you can have some bloody awful wrestlers. You can have some bloody awful everything, but people will stick around for a story. Production, I'd put after that. Actually, then I'd probably put storyline. No, not storyline. I'd put fan response. Then I'd put wrestling. And then... I've forgotten the last one, sorry. Our promos. Promos. Oh, man. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think promos is three. 
uh, fans is four, and then um, and then work is probably five. That's brilliant because that fits in with our mantra from season one, which was the least important part of the wrestling is the wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> because as, as I've said many times on this show, me and Robin and, and Si as well, since he's here, we are just uh, just grumpy middle-aged men who want to be sat in a chair and told a story. That's wrestling fans. As much as people like to think that it's more than that, that's wrestling fans mostly. I did wonder if for Sai we should have done a list of the five things um, that wrestlers need to do that are like Barry... Um, uh, Barry Windham. Barry Windham. <laughs> I was going to say Barry Howitz then. I've been uh, King's Pig Bladders in, uh, <laughs> infected my brain. Yeah, the five things that I uh, need to do to look like uh, and be like Barry Windham. See, when I, when I was on the show previously and I had to do my little chart thing, mine was almost the other way around. I had the wrestling very, very high. I mean, I was like the, the, the oddity in your first season, potentially. You're definitely an oddity, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to say, so most wrestling fans aren't such wrestling fans that they've got like 14 podcasts about it. No, that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, it's not 14 podcasts about wrestling. Some of them are about TV shows. Oh, no, no. The great uh, SJP World Media Network has a plethora of wonderful products. There you go. That's, how's that oh, for a plug, Si? That's the, first, that's the first great plug. Keep it up. <laughs> Keep the sound bites coming. We need them. <laughs> so, yeah, that was great insight, Joshua. Thank you, and thank you for letting me uh, letting me put you on the spot there. Um, oh, that's all right. Again, I had it all, like, in my head, and, you know, you just kind of get stuck on the spot and everything leaves your brain. It was one of them. Yeah. I know that I know that very well. Um, as anybody who's listened to this show for a while will attest, um, <laughs> a lot of things do. In fact, I think this is the first time in probably about forty episodes that I've actually started off with the format in the right order. So tremendous. Yeah, I can't wait to say I fuck it up now. Um, <laughs> but um, so next up, as I said, we're looking at the uh, the first ever episode of NXT, and uh, we do not, we do like a drink on this show, so. Are you having an, an adult beverage, Joshua? Have you got anything on the go, or are you staying off it tonight? I, I do, I'm ashamed to say, though, because I this was going to be my favourite part. I love I love a real ale and things of that nature, and I was going to support my uh, local brewery, Stroud Brewery. Unfortunately, they didn't have any in the shop, so I had to have what was in the fridge. And what was in the fridge is a Taurus Cola Cider. A what? Oh. A to- so Taurus, which is Aldi. Uh, we have a cola cider and oh, I bought okay. it on a, on a whim thinking it was going to be utterly disgusting it tastes exactly how you think it would do which is sort of like you know the unfrozen ice pops it's currently unrated on untapped so can't help you with that one <laughs> okay <laughs> that, 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 that's Rob going to did you say it was Aldi or Lidl oh, yeah. Aldi. so that's Rob going to Aldi tomorrow then <laughs> There's no playing around here. I'm just intrigued by that, the cola cider. It sounds like it shouldn't go together. Uh, well, it just sort of tastes a cola, really. It's kind of like it tastes like cheap pop, which you know, yeah. I thought if nothing else, it's an interesting novelty. Which you know, I figure this uh, yeah. first episode of NXT was probably perceived as. Yeah, it ties in very well. Can't fault it. Um, Sai, what what flavour of uh, of piss are you drinking? I'm just drinking shitty lager, mate, because I'm as uncultured as they come. <laughs> you can't say that. You, you had a basket miniatures last time you were on the show. Well, this is true. This is true. Yeah, they lasted a little while, to be fair. They got polished off at a, a music festival recently, and uh, that was a bad, bad decision. 
because the following day I was very, very poorly. <laughs> oh, I could just imagine you going into the festival and the check in your bag and they're like, what's this wicker basket? Well, the festival I go to every August is fantastic because you're actually allowed to take your own drinks in. So that's 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 brilliant. Is it before you know, or after the cheese rolling? It's normally just before. Okay. <laughs> Literally a couple of days before. It's August bank holiday weekend, so that's the that's when the cheese rolling happens. But yeah, I, I I managed to take some of the leftover little miniatures in with me. But the the first night there, it was almost like it was almost like uh, the first night anyone had seen each other for God knows how long, you know, lockdown and all that sort of stuff. And the first time the festival opened up back to its full attendance and people were, we were meeting people we hadn't seen for a year or two. And we kind of all went a bit crazy. And I, I was still satisfied by 10 to 5 a.m. drinking whiskey. And I was up again about half eight. And yeah, when the first band came on, I was not feeling it at all. But I, I powered through. I drank through it and I was all right again by sort of, you know, mid-afternoon. <laughs> not, not all heroes wear capes. That's it, mate. That's, I'd, yeah. I'd wear a cape if I had one. You'd fall over. You'd trip over it, I'm sure. <laughs> it's funny you mention that. I literally just went downstairs to say to the missus, I'm about to start recording, and I tripped over my jammer bottoms that I'm currently wearing. So you're not far <laughs> off. <laughs> Are they Razor Ramon pyjama bottoms uh, that the Macho Man was wearing on QVC? Oh, they're not. No, they're not. They're actually WWE jammer bottoms. They've they so got, they got the WWE logo on them, yeah. They were a present, so. I've got a pair of them. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Oh, we got NWO shorts the same as well, haven't we? Yeah, we? We need to stop. We need to stop ordering the same uh, the same bottoms, mate. It's. Uh, I am it's looking at your awesome. Sting T-shirt and thinking I want one though. Oh, this is old one. <laughs> now this is about six years old now. Yeah. Yeah, this is from his first. This is from the WWE run when he was at. Uh, okay. He was at Mania. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Rob, what are you drinking, mate? Actually, I didn't ask Si what uh, what flavour of lager are you on. What what? Are you oh, on I'm drinking Carlin. Okay, now I'm judging you. Fucking hell. If I'm drinking at home or I'm having a bit of a session, Carlin is like my go-to because I can drink it all day or night and wake up the following morning and be absolutely fine. Because, so. because it just cycles through your body and comes out the yeah. same way it went in. Pretty much. If, if anything, it's just there to flush you out. Pretty much. But I drink enough of it for me to get pissed. I wake up in the morning where it's rain, so works for me. I enjoy, I enjoy a few ales. I enjoy a Guinness. I enjoy the odd rum. and I like a nice vodka, but tend to have a bit of a bad head the next day. Look, I don't, I'm not about that, so... Well, anyway, on to Rob, who, does, who doesn't believe in hangovers. Uh, what are you drinking, mate? Well, I've never had a hangover, so, uh, you know. Um, You're not trying hard enough. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, first up, I've got a um, double dry hopped pale ale called Glitch, and that's a collab between Vocation and Brew LDN. Um, to, it's 5.2%. And then after that, I'm going on to a Dark Matter Berliner Stout from Berlo Brewery. Uh, it's 5%. And then I've got uh, Wise Wisen from Barefoot Beats and Boots. Easy for you to say. I did think it sounded like the uh, thing that Dwight says in the office about uh, his favourite things being Bears, Beats and Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Completely lost. I mean, never watched The Office. Can't stand Ricky Gervais. Oh, no, this is the US one, isn't it? Oh, even better then. Yeah, the US ones. You get past the first series, it's funny. It's very, I, I really enjoy it. See, I would probably like that better because I actually like Steve Carell, but mm. anyway. It's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. Especially just for the receptionist. I think she's lovely. Just there we go. I mean, media Incoming US Office podcaster, Sam Powell, just so we can put on the secretary again. <laughs> it's why we're getting a Gladiators podcast. 
<laughs> we're not i'm not doing any more i literally had to, i had two offers this week do you want to do this with me it's like i can't i just can't i can't do it <laughs> he slept he slept three hours in the last month <laughs> drink more energy drinks than scottish danny oh i don't know about um, that he lives on them doesn't he? i think it's set up to come straight out of his tap <laughs> hot cold monster <laughs> Yeah, anyway. that's what the big the big wax of cocaine are for, so they just balance you out. Yeah, fresh out. Bye, it's dusty in here, so look at that. <laughs> anyway, for my beverages, uh, first up, I'm, I'm going festive a bit early. I've got a Fairy Tale of Brew York 2022 version, which is a stolen milk stout at 4.9%. Then I'm going to another of my favourite breweries, Northern Monk their old flax star project series OFS089, which is a cherry lemon sour at 4.9%. And then going over to New Bristol Brewery, which is a collab with Pentrick Brewing Company and a maple syrup and pecan stout at 7%. So I am going to have a sore head tomorrow because I'm no doubt I won't stop there because I never do because I'm a knob. Uh, you said about not Rob never having hangovers earlier. We were supposed to go to a uh, to go to a show that got cancelled at sort of the eleventh hour last week. We said, "Oh, should we just go out and get pissed in, in York instead?" I said, "Yeah, fair enough." Filled the table that we were sat at with empties, which was quite an achievement between uh, between a few of us. And uh, woke up, I woke up the next day feeling like absolute death. And Rob just toddled on about his business and was absolutely fine. And I, I question our friendship every time. And I'd started before you as well, hadn't I? You, yeah, you had. Yeah, yeah, you'd had a couple in the afternoon. Yeah. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure you should be. What, for getting a hangover off or not keeping up? Yeah, both, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. So then, as we're talking beer, and we're just about to get into uh, the first episode of NXT we should probably recommend some beverages that people can uh, can drink while watching it. Uh, so, Joshua, do you have a beverage to recommend for anybody watching the very first episode of NXT? Oh, well, I must admit, it's not in <laughs> any way linked, but I just wanted to get a shout-out to my local brewery, which is Stroud Brewery, and a nice pint of Budding. Get that one in. I love a pint of Budding. It's my favourite. I think it's, a, um, it's an IPA. This is going off memory now. It's 4%, I'm pretty sure. But yes, beautiful little drink. Fair enough. We're, it doesn't have to link in, and we're always ones for uh, for cheap plugs on this show. We do not mind at all. Uh, si, what would you recommend? I would probably recommend just a big glass of water, because it's bland and see-through, exactly the same way this show was. Ooh. 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 You salty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I just get annoyed with the WWE mindset sometimes, but we'll get into that, I expect. Oh, can't wait. I'll have to, I'll have to talk for about 10 minutes. We'll just put 50p in the dickhead and let him go. <laughs> <laughs> one of the pros had been Barry Windham, this show would have got 11 out of 10. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and that pro, the, the rookie he'd have been training, would have been champion. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> Regardless of the original plans. Yes. Even if it was, even if it was Heath Slater. Mm, exactly. Who shows so much charisma, apparently. But again, we'll get into that. We will. Uh, no, Rob, I had to take Steve O to task on this last night when we were recording an episode for the Total Steve O podcast. Don't slag off Heath Slater. That guy's got kids to feed. An, 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 yeah. unspecified, an unspecified amount of children. Uh, so, Rob, what would you recommend? 
Yeah, well, Carlito was on this show, so I think we have to go for a cider, don't we? It's only fair. So something Apple-related. I've gone for one that um, Horatio Max actually recommended when he was on the show, uh, Thirsty Cross Traditional Cider, 4.4% cider. Is that is it Thirsty Cross or Thistly Cross? It's Thistly Cross. <laughs> I might not get hangovers, but I can correct you, you twat. <laughs> but then he does all the editing, so this will all be out of there anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah it was my auto-correct that, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Um, I was trying to find a beer that linked in. Um, I couldn't. So I'm going to recommend the highest rated beer uh, that I gave uh, last week when me and Rob were out. It's going to go to uh, Shambles Tavern Stumbler, which is a golden ale from Rudgate Brewery. It's a, And again, I'm, I'm doing a cheap plug like uh, like Joshua just did. It's available in the Shambles Tavern in York. I gave it 3.25 out of 5 on Untapped. Go give it a try and just... Go to the Shambles Tavern in general because it's a right nice boozer. We had an untapped whack as well, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh, it was a Rudgate Brewery's Huss, uh, which is in no way affiliated with uh, with the Barbarian. No, it wasn't Barbarian, was it Berserker? Berserker. Oh, yeah. Berserker, yeah. Berserker, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah saw... Finishing movers, throwing people over the top rope, so you think it had done really well at the Royal Rumble, but no. Lance Storm was bitching about that on Twitter today. <laughs> <laughs> he saw a clip of it and just... And just Put like the shrugging emoji and just went a finisher that can never win you a title. Brilliant. Yeah. Bit of, all, of all people, it was um, Don Callis who was saying, uh, who just sort of came on and just went, I don't think it matters. <laughs> I just thought I'll, I'll, I'll update if I get a chance to have a look and see if that conversation went any further. Because I was kind of hoping they'd start arguing. See, I always thought his finisher was trying to run people through with his sword. He didn't, he didn't oh. have a very high success rate. Do you remember when he tried to stab The Undertaker? Was it The Undertaker? Yeah. And here we have the Venn diagram of things that the Berserker and Drew McIntyre have in common. (laughs) 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 I think I I have virtually no memory of the Berserker at all from from back in the day. I've seen the clips and and whatnot, but... Have they both lost clean to Grado? Is that another one? See the Berserker, that sort of ninety-two-ish kind of time, superstars and all that. That's when I was watching wrestling over my hands when I used to go over in the evenings and so on. So I saw a lot of Berserker matches just because he seemed to be on superstars every week for a period. I'm and sorry. yeah, even as a kid, I thought this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> How are you still a wrestling fan? <laughs> hey, I love I love so much about wrestling, but yeah, when there's something bad, I'm not afraid to call it out. <laughs> That's the evolution of most wrestling fans. You love it, then you walk away from it for a bit, then you love it again, and then you love to hate it. Right. Yeah. See, I I, I'm, I, I wouldn't say I love to hate it. I just won't watch if I don't like it. I don't understand these people who, and there are so many of them out there in the podcast world uh, and, and so on, who will review a show every week that they hate. Mm. You know, you get That's- these, especially bef- you know, especially during the sort of later years of, McMahon still being in charge of WWE before the recent change with Triple H and so on. It was every single week people would be bitching about the same things. And it got to a point where, I mean, it must it must affect how many people tune in, surely, unless they're just in this echo chamber of miserable bastards. Because I stopped listening to so many podcasts, because all they were doing are oh, Raw's three hours long, is shit. So, well, yeah, but you said that last week. It's not going to fucking change. So why, you know, and just gripe, oh, this is crap, this is crap, this is crap. Well, don't watch it. If you're miserable, don't watch it then. Take that three hours of your life and do something else. If we, if we, sorry, if we had merch, echo chamber of miserable bastards. That is brilliant. Yeah. 
I can't believe you're saying that, Si. Huddersfield Town would sell no tickets if people bought into the idea if you're miserable, don't watch it. Ah, see, <laughs> I, I think I think football fandom is a little bit different, though, isn't it, you know? F- yeah. Football, you always have hope. Mm. Yeah, it might get better. But yeah, there's so many uh, individuals who are like, this was the worst episode of Raw. This was the worst episode of Dynamite. This was the worst episode of Rampage. And I'm never, ever, ever, never going to watch it again until next week. Yeah. yeah. The ones that I love is when on Twitter, and it's normally the same fucking idiots, they take a screenshot of the message saying they've cancelled the WWE network. <laughs> and and then two weeks later, they're putting a tweet out saying, here's my review of this pay-per-view. It's like, oh, so you resubscribe then, you bell end. You know, it's like, oh, and it's the same people. Maybe let's do it two or three times a year. It's just ridiculous. At least on this show, when we watch something shit, we nine out of ten times don't know it's going to be shit. So we just roll the dice and, and see what will come out. And anything we have is fair criticism. And we do try and try and see the positive in things apart from HCW, which is utter wankery. But the thing is with this show as well, I think that I think what is fantastic about what you guys do is, and I, I've said this before on on another podcast, but it shows how rare, how 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 very you know sporadically it gets said. I guess the fact that this is probably only the second show I said it to, the fact that you have managed to find a way of covering wrestling in a podcast form that is relatively unique, it is is quite quite fascinating to me because there's so many review shows, there's so many. I suppose history of shows. I mean, I do two of them myself. You know, there's so many constant. You're looking at modern products, looking at historic wrestling. That tends to be the two main viewpoints, and then you get others that look at a particular wrestler and so on. The fact that you will take in the firsts and lasts of pro wrestling, regardless of you know storylines or or particular uh, historic moments, it's literally the first and last, no matter what. I think is a really unique way of, of reviewing different wrestling shows and also bringing uh, different companies, different products to, to, to the ears of people who listen. I mean, I've listened to some of your, your past episodes and, and some of them are covering companies I've never heard of before. So then I've got, I've got to add a little, what, even if you said, it's sh- I'm probably more intrigued if you think, if you say it's shit, just from a comedy standpoint, <laughs> but I think it's a really different and unique way of looking at wrestling in a podcast form. You know, which I think you guys should be applauded for because it's so difficult to be different to different to the norm. I guess is is the saying I would use there. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And it, it's like you know, it's like if you did a uh, a, a podcast about a, a beloved science fiction show and you spent six minutes talking about what sex noises the characters make. You know, that's a completely different tack of uh, you know of how you take something and uh, <laughs> go, 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 go back and listen to an episode of the Doctor Who pod. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually had somebody message me. This is going back last season sometime, saying they love the show. They're not a big Doctor Who fan. I think I told you this at the time, Dan. It's going back quite a few months now. Yeah, they but I can't remember, show. so tell me again. Ah, okay. They love the show. <laughs> They're not a particularly big Doctor Who fan, but they listen to the show just to get to the outtakes at the end after the music plays. <laughs> <laughs> and they say that's for, their favourite bit. For the love of God, nobody tell that person how to fast forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for your kind word, words, mate. I really do appreciate it. And, and you know, one of the, the reason I wanted to get you guys on here is that you do you do great work looking at the NX. You're looking at sort of NXT from when it was its own brand onwards. We've been wanting to get to this sort of thing for a while, or at least I have anyway. The very few jobs I have is is look is suggesting topics and booking guests. So <laughs> Rob basically does everything else. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> sorry, Rob. I think I think we interrupted you there. Did you have? 
quickly, just on Si's point about about the podcast, I think one of the things we're doing, especially when we do pilots and finales, it helps us look at it through a, a television lens rather than a wrestling lens, which I think a lot of podcasts don't necessarily do or don't look at it from that perspective. So, uh, you know, I, I think it sometimes leans more into the, in more into the other sort of stuff that you do, Si, like, like your fantastic new uh, Murder in Mind podcast that you've got. Oh. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've had quite a few people tell me they enjoy it. So, and that's that's what I live for, really. You know, there's, there's no, it's not about numbers or anything like that, or you know, whatever. It's just I enjoy doing it, and if people enjoy listening, then then fantastic. And I got to give a lot of credit there to Morty, my co-host on that show. Uh, he he came to me with the idea and basically wore me down. Um, and, I, and I'm glad he did. And I'm glad he did. But there is still no plans for a Babylon 5 youth podcast, Rob. I'll get that out there now so it doesn't get. You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. But for today, we need to get into uh, into NXT. Um, so we've got a bit of background here. I'll basically talk until my uh, my lungs give out on me because I've. Uh, you hopefully won't hear it on the uh, on the actual audio release. But been coughing a wee bit, so I might have to ask Rob to take over. Uh, but a bit of background on NXT. It was initially debuted as a seasonal show on February 23rd, 2010, uh, replacing ECW on Sci-Fi. It was presented essentially as a hybrid between WWE's uh, sort of scripted live event shows and reality television, uh, in which talent from WWE's developmental to- territory, uh, FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, participated in a competition to become WWE's next breakout star. And they all had mentors from either Raw or SmackDown. Uh, there were five seasons in this iteration, uh, and the winners were, I believe, I've realised now that I've only written down four of them, uh, Wade Barrett, Caval, Caitlin, and Johnny Curtis. Now, Rob, can you tell me who was the fifth winner of NXT, if there was one? So, Derek Bateman won. There was basically an opportunity for a tag team championship match with his mentor, Daniel Bryan. Right, OK. OK, so Daniel Bryan... Who will come to later was uh, went full circle with it. And fair enough. I don't know why I dropped off of, of game show NXT, but it, I, I really loved it in season five with Johnny Curtis and Derek Bateman and Maxine. Uh, I thought I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I think I was just watching Ron SmackDown at the time, so you only got sort of snippets of it, which uh, which were quite decent. Because we, we definitely had it on Sky in the early seasons. I don't know if season five had gone to. The network by that? No, it wouldn't. It would have still been on Sky because the network wasn't here by the end of. Well, because you know this was 2010, so the network came around about 2014, I think. Yeah, I think we got. All, I, I think the network started literally when NXT on the on the main roster started, or the, as its own brand started. Yeah. yeah, I think it was about 2012. Yeah, around the time that we uh, we started covering that, and it was on Hulu as well. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah. Which, which we don't get over here unless you use a VPN or some other internet magic that I don't understand. Imagine um, if we had a VPN sponsorship, but we don't, so you can log on to uk and put in the promo code UTTPODCAST15, get 15% off your beer orders. Get, get so drunk you think you're somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can certainly do it with their high-percentage European-style beers. <laughs> Sorry, that oh. freaked me out there. Not the plug for the viewers, because I expect that. But that freaked me out there. Uh, Joshua, you've got a cat behind you. Yeah, I do, yeah. I like uh, but where, the way you were sat on this... Oh, this is no good for, for audio listeners, obviously. But you were sat there, and it looked like the cat was kind, the cat's tail was kind of going in and out of your ear at one stage. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on there? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Us wrestling types aren't normal, so... <laughs> What's the cat's name? 
Uh, that is Daisy. She is one of six, so that is definitely Daisy. So she just had, she just had all her bits out, bless her. So she's got scars. It's it's no. Oh, when you said she had a bits out, I thought you meant she was like splayed out behind you because it it would not be the first time that our podcast has been interrupted by a cat's anus. <laughs> A restless cat's anus as well. So back to NXT. So this was the era where they had, uh, you know, they were trying to impress the um, impress the pros and impress the audience. It eventually evolved to have sort of physical challenges, including sort of keg carrying contests, assault courses, um, you know, then non physical sort of promo challenges uh, and, and things like that. They had the uh, they had the immunities that had been given out in the early season, so the, you know they're immune from being voted off the show. Uh, they evolved into sort of that talk show segments, bits and pieces like that. So that's essentially there's not a vast amount to cover in the uh, in sort of the early history, um, but I do have a list of each participant and how long they'd been a professional uh, up to this point. If you guys are interested, yeah, crack on. Thank you very much, Dan. Unless you had anything to add with the um, with the history, Rob? Oh, well, just a couple of bits. The first episode got a rating of 1.4 on Sci-Fi, which equates to 1.7 million. Raw this week got um, 1.5 something million. So more people watched this NXT than um, Raw this week. It was 32% up from the last episode the week before the final episode of ECW on Sci-Fi. I've got my own little version of the Goodwin report. Oh. <laughs> oh. In terms of, so the last episode of ECW on Sci-Fi, Miss Show, who were the unified tag team champions, beat the mighty tag team of Gold Dust and Yoshitatsu. Oh, Yoshi main Tatsu. event anywhere in the world, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, the, the, well, apart from this show, where the, the main event, uh, there's only two matches, uh, was for the ECW Championship. Ezekiel Jackson, with uh, William Regal in his corner, wins the ECW Championship from Christian. And the promotion yes. dies straight away. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the point of having a title change on the last show? Well, they did that in WCW. Maybe they were hoping that someone would buy out the promotion. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you, yeah. you know, you see Ezekiel Jackson jumping over the barricade with Dixie Carter behind him running into a limousine or something. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the biggest offer for WWE CW was a curly whirly and half a warm can of Coke. Hey, hey, hey. We'll have no slander about curly whirlies here. <laughs> if, you so, listen to Cho- if you listen to Choco Vision, curly whirlies used to be a foot long. Yes, I did listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in terms of this show, when they recorded it, they also recorded an episode of Superstars and they recorded a SmackDown at the same time. So on the Superstars, uh, the Hart Dynasty beat Matt Hardy and the Great Carly. Matt Hardy what, and the Great Carly. Yeah. That's yeah. an odd combination. Is, or is that just me? That seems a bit weird. Yeah, and they have Maria in their corner. Oh, of course they did. Well, that, in that case, then yeah, it all fits into place. Oh, was this um, was this Punjabi Playboy era, Carly? Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. The, uh, okay, yeah, so, really tried so pushing uh, that. Sorry, doing, was Heart Dynasty? They'd have been the heels in that point then. I'd hope. Yeah, I would think they were. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, it's Smith and Tyson Kidd, wasn't it? Yeah, they uh-huh. one match for the SmackDown because they used to like record one match on SmackDown and one match on Raw on Superstars, or maybe a couple of matches on Raw for SmackDown. Dolph Ziggler 
faced uh, Morrison and R Truth in a triple threat Money in the Bank qualifier that Dolph Ziggler won. I bet that was I bet that was pretty good actually. Yeah, Michelle McCool won the women's um, title from Mickey James. I bet they got all of three minutes. Well, I don't know. I didn't watch that. I actually did watch the Raw because it gets referenced later on. So I've watched the entirety <laughs> of Raw. Uh, and the commitment that is why I don't watch Raw night. <laughs> Maurice Gale Kim, I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, I love, I love Gale Kim, and Maurice is there, so uh, mm. that was that was the main event for me. <laughs> uh, but Maurice, um, uh, it was a, a final for the Divas vacant Divas Championship, which Maurice won. Mm. So that was on Raw. Uh, Kane defeated Drew McIntyre in the Money in the Bank qualifier. Yes. There you go, Dan. Uh, Shelton Benjamin defeated CM Punk in the Money in the Bank qualifier. I know, 2010, this is the year that Kane won. Nice. Is it not? Yeah, because he, he won and then cashed in, and then later in 2010, he had his um, he had the whole undertaking no, vegetative state. This, this was Swagger. Swagger won this Money in the Bank coming up. So Kane won the Money in the Bank at Money in the Bank. Hmm. So there could have been two, because there was like the um, standalone pay-per-views, wasn't there, by two, at least yeah. 2011, if not earlier. Yeah, that was... Yeah, because... Yeah. So Swagger won this Money in the Bank, and then, yeah, I think as you say, I think Kane won the next Money in the Bank, but I think it was at a Money in the Bank pay-per-view, as opposed to at a WrestleMania. So Swagger oh, won the last one at a Mania, then? Yeah, San, sorry, yeah, you San, are right. Okay. Okay, right. I love that um, Joshua was out kane fact, damn. <laughs> no, he's out, he's, out, no he, he, he's out. He's out. Money in the bank, mate. You, you call yourself a Kane fan, Jesus Christ! Do, do you know what it's really hard to do nowadays? Because he's a fucking asshole. Isn't he? <laughs> Edge um, defeated the Miz um, on um, SmackDown. Over on Raw, Ty Murray and um, his uh, wife, country music singer Jewel, were the guest hosts. Ty Murray was a rodeo star. So, of course, they had a mechanical bull riding competition, which the Bella Twins won. Big Show fell off it uh, almost straight away and tried to pun- knock the bull out, but the bull knocked him out. Brilliant. Um, we, we, were, we were both right. Oh, um, yeah? Yeah, Swagger and Kane both won it that year. There was a, a Money in the Bank match at Mania, and then there was the, um, the first, I think the first standalone pay-per-view. Uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds about right. What's this trying a mechanical bull at her wedding? <laughs> Did you try which, and knock it out? Which, which, in hindsight, when you think back to it, all the bridesmaids in their posh dresses and everyone in their suits and so on pissed up at 10 o'clock in the car park of the rugby club. It was quite a sight. <laughs> That's been put on by... Sorry, go on. <laughs> I'm just saying it's his sister country music singer, Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I was only going to say that that mechanical pull was put on by the suit rental place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> buy, buy your wedding suits and dresses from here and we'll give you a free mechanical ball. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, over on Raw, John Cena faced Batista. If John Cena won, he got to face Batista at the title uh, at WrestleMania. Cena won when um, Batista low-blowed him. So, yeah, no, bizarre booking. I, I, I actually remember that, that Mania match being pretty bloody good between Cena and Batista. I don't know why, I just remember them having great chemistry and yeah. Whatever they did was kind of just kind of gold. I don't know if I I'm completely a... wrong on that, but no, it was a good uh, a good tear up as I recall until uh, you know Cena put on that STF, which always puts takes me out at the moment. I don't know about y'all. Uh, well, the, the the S stands for slack. 
<laughs> Wendy Ricks, a Hall of Fame announcement on Raw. Oh, okay. Miz Show versus Mark Henry and MVP. Right, fair enough. Yeah, they were a team. That was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was a thing that happened in wrestling. That was a thing that happened in wrestling, yeah. <laughs> Another thing that happened in wrestling was uh, Bret Hart got run over by a car and uh, Mr. McMahon had sent in a video denying that he had anything to do with it. Rikishi, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Bret Hart getting run over. Yeah, he got... He had. Yeah. I don't know if he got completely run over, but like they crushed his leg in like a limo door, as I recall. Okay. It was that Nexus. Yeah, it would have been. Oh, mate, I'm all over watching. No. (laughs) Maybe they shouldn't have so many similar things happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Here's an idea. Try and make each each month unique, at least. Just give us something. Jericho was uh, celebrating winning the World Heavyweight Championship at Elimination Chamber, but Edge comes out and spears him. Fair enough. Yeah. Christian versus Carlito in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Who won that? Uh, which Christian won, and we got a picture-in-picture from Heath Slater, which is the entire reason I watched this show, because they they said, we heard from Heath Slater on Raw, and I thought, oh, did they they actually have him out there on Raw? Did they fuck? He's just in this little postcard in the corner. I've uh, I've watched a fucking two-hour show for this. (laughs) I I still think one of the the best things that Heath Slater ever got to do was the... um, Because he was the one who was eating all the finishers from the Legends, wasn't he, in the run-up to Raw 1000? Yeah. And yeah, that's, a, that's about where we are with NXT at the moment, isn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah like Vader, is, Sid yeah. Vicious and all that. that I, I got a kick out of seeing the old guys, yeah. That was brilliant, that. It was. I, I am not a clown and then Doink's music hits. <laughs> <laughs> so literally he said that uh, Christian and Heath Slater, Christian's his mentor, he's Heath Slater, the one-man band of NXT, and WWE Universe, my word, I'm about to blow your mind. And I thought, I've watched the entire show for this. Um, <laughs> and then we get Michael Tarver. And uh, he's talking about being the son of a preacher and a prize fighter. Yeah. I wonder where we'll see that again. Yeah. Uh, so so that's, uh, that's the Goodwin report for uh, this week. Nice. <laughs> fair enough. Thank you, Rob. Um, you, you, you watch more Raw than I do, so fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So just to give uh, people a reminder of, uh, of who was on the show and, and uh, like I said, just how long they've been pro and roughly what they've been doing before this, I'll uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll start from the bottom, as it were. <laughs> this is in order of elimination from, from first to last across the season. So uh, Michael Tarver, at this point he was... Uh, eh? Spoilers. <laughs> <sighs> I know, I'm terrible, aren't I? Some people might be like me and be like 10 years behind on everything. So Michael Tarver had been five years pro. Uh, he'd had three years on the indies and joined FCW in 2008, so had been in the WWE system for just about two years. Uh, then you had uh, Skip Sheffield, who was six years pro. He was in Tough Enough in 2004 and had been working uh, Deep South Wrestling, Ohio Valley Wrestling, and Florida Championship Wrestling, so he was sort of fairly well entrenched into the WWE developmental system. Uh, you had Daniel Bryan, who was... 11 years pro, they're trained by Shawn Michaels. He actually had a very short stint in WWE development in 2000. Uh, did a few dark matches in 0203, and obviously had his, stint, his three-year stint in Japan from 01 to 04. His ROH run, including you know the World Championship and, and numerous 
worldwide uh, championships in various federations. Um, certainly one of probably the best travel, the most travelled on the on this list. Uh, Darren Young by this point was eight years pro. Uh, he'd had three years in the uh, the US Indies in sort of the northeastern states uh, before joining FCW in 05. So again, quite well entrenched in uh, in WWE by this point. And this was this was the surprise for me. It was Justin Gabriel. Uh, by this point, he was 13 years pro. Uh, he'd been trained by his dad in South Africa, who was sort of a, a wrestling legend and promoter in 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 that whatever area it was where he lived. I forgot to write it down. He spent five years on the UK Indies, uh, wrestling for various promotions and, and playing his trade. You know, the likes of All Star Wrestling and, and whatever was going around at the time. Uh, and uh, he was two years into his FCW stint. Uh, David Otunga was the least experienced. He'd had uh, two years FCW training. And then you had Wade Barrett, who was six years pro. He actually joined the WWE developmental system two years into his career. But in the, uh, that two years, uh, he'd wrestled for NWA Hammerlock, Dropkicks, and had been trained by Al Snow. I can't wait to cover NWA Hammerlock. Yeah. <laughs> I've got six episodes they had on ITV Digital. It's so psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that's a bit of background on the competitors and uh, I guess we'll get straight into the episode so the opening comes on it's eight rookies, eight pros one dream one dream guys all got one oh, dream one well, shared dream and they are they are wild and young as the cheesy intro music says oh how cheesy was it's, that as well bro. it's awful, it, it reminded <laughs> me of like when you watch cartoons as a kid, like the intro music, you can still watch the cartoons today, but if you listen to that intro music, it just makes your soul shrivel. Do you know what I, I love? I love, like, I got sort of shit 80s vibes from it, you know, but not, not shit what, 80s what vibes. the charm? Yeah, yeah, not, not shit 80s vibes that you can listen to now and go, oh, yeah, okay, it's shit, but I like it. It was just, this is just, I mean, it was kind of, I suppose it was so on the nose, singing about having this dream and all, and it was a bit, it was a bit much for me, you know? And I listened yeah. to some absolute crap. So if it's too much for me, then you know then it's it, it's not great. Yeah. Well if, if, if Andy from sorry, if Andy from Bang Bang Podcast wants to put this on his uh, his Bang Bang Podcast playlist, uh, this is Wild and Young by American Bang. Mm. Well it's licensed music. I mean they were promoting the single. <laughs> Somebody oh. had to. Yeah. I don't know, it made me dry it made me dry heave. It really did. <laughs> Is that what it says? NME, it made me dry. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best review we got. Joshua was watching this, and all his neighbours thought the cats were all the cats were trying to pass hairballs at the same time. <laughs> no, that's just me. Oh, oh god! I will say, looking looking through this intro where they were showing the the, the competitors and the rookies, you know, all together. One, it was weird seeing Ryback smile. Yeah. Jericho and Barrett straight off the bat look like a perfect pairing. And weirdly, because I don't know if this is because I know what it leads to and then the years of of needle between the two. I think Miz and Brian just seem to like fit somehow. Miz and Brian was a hundred percent deliberate. And it was oh, yeah. because like if you watch especially this first episode, it's it's the Daniel Bryan show, mostly because I imagine he was the guy that most folks who had heard of and therefore was the draw for this show. So he's plastered all over this show. And also 
it's gonna like Daniel Bryan is gonna attract a certain kind of audience member, and mm. this kind of audience member is like me gonna dry heave at the idea of <laughs> the Miz being Daniel Bryan's pro. So it was uh, yeah, it was genius. They called him the the Miz even referred to him straight at the beginning, didn't he, as the internet darling. Yeah. So I think Josh was spot on aimed at a particular audience, isn't it, again? But uh, this is something that I think comes up quite a bit throughout the whole episode. I say the whole episode is quite a relatively short TV program. I mean, it's what, 44 minutes? I think Monday Night Raw this week we, had 44 minutes of adverts. We've already been talking longer than the program runs for. Well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, it seems to be a reoccurring theme that they've, they've got these new these new faces these new people that, in theory, they're trying to use this this vehicle of NXT to build up, but they're also incredibly keen to put down anything they've ever achieved ever. Yeah, you know, so saying "internet darling" like it was a bad thing, uh, and so on. But there's quite a few of those coming up that I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. Oh, we will. We will definitely get into that. But so we've mentioned this before about the wrestling bubble, about how anything that is outside that that promotion and their philosophy of wrestling even if it's mainstream entertainment's just a bit of a joke mm. and you know when we've spoken about it before on on previous episodes but i actually think putting the miz and daniel bryan together much in the same way as sending okada to have his excursion in tna with Vince russo is the thing that nobody wanted but they needed mm. Actually, yeah, yeah. All, all the skills but Putting with the Miz, the Miz has got all the you know sports entertainment side to it, and look where Daniel Bryan is now. Yeah, and and consider how he got there because really he got there by throwing his hands up in the air and saying yes. Well, this is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's the thing that really made people connect with him in the end. Like not all of the wrestling. No, I, like, I, I, and, and he got very hairy. He I'm, did also get very beery. Yeah. Hell <laughs> <laughs> no, as well. You know, I'm the type. Oh. You know, so yeah, so, absolutely. So absolutely. We can just but credit Kane. <laughs> oh for crying out loud <laughs> I'm crediting Kane not Glenn Jacobs <laughs> um, in in Daniel's defence like as much as they say he didn't have a personality I wouldn't say he didn't have a personality he didn't have a gimmick mm. like he was he was a perfectly adequate performer in terms of he could talk um, as is demonstrated here but uh, he was still refining it and Obviously, it's a lot easier once you have something to talk about other than, hi, I'm Daniel. I do the wrestles. Yeah, I think that's what we speak about that a lot on NXT Rise and Fall, Joshua, don't we? Where we're getting these promos, especially in the early weeks, of wrestlers almost, I suppose they have to do it. They're kind of introducing themselves so people can learn who they are. But they are literally just going, yeah, I'm such and such. This is what I do. And some of them are forgetful. There's one or two that stick. And we get a little bit of this, I think, with Daniel Bryan. And it is kind of forgetful. It is kind of bland. And you're thinking, oh, okay, it doesn't quite look very, I don't know. I wouldn't say it doesn't look comfy, but something doesn't quite fit. But when we get to the time when he's in the ring with the Miz and he's got somebody else to bounce off, I think it's completely different to what we had when he's just stood there with the Miz talking to him backstage. I mean, when he's in front of the crowd with the Miz and they're going back and forth for a little bit, that to me is 10 times better than what we had early on. Because early on, he almost looked... Oh, I don't know. He almost looked like he, he he just wasn't comfy being there. A bit a bit deer in the headlights. Um, yeah, potentially, yeah. But again, out in front of that huge because it's you know that's what that really struck me. It's obviously been recorded the same night as some other shows, as as you said, Rob. I wasn't expecting to see an arena that big for this, 
I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of what we're doing with NXT Rise and Fall or what, but I, was, I wasn't expecting to see them in something like that. And then when he's in front of that amount of people and he's got the Miz, who is, regardless of people's opinions on the guy, the guy, he can talk, he's fantastic on the mic. He could have quite easily then, looking at what happened at the very beginning of the episode, he could have crumbled and faded there. But he didn't. It went the other way. So it shows that I think that he has got a personality. He has got this charisma that they keep mentioning through the bloody episode. But almost like he needed to be in that, I suppose, maybe bigger setting, I guess. I think he needed the confrontation. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, as, as we get yeah. into it. Because the, one thing I remember from this time was I was watching it and I had heard of Daniel Bryan and his accolades. I wasn't checked into the indie scene at all uh, in the US or, or in Britain you know, whatever, I, I just knew it, I'd heard it on the grapevine. But I was kind of watching, just going, yeah, he's really good in ring, but, mm, yeah. And I was, a, I was a bit in the camp of he doesn't, you know, believing what the, the bullshit I was spoon-fed, saying that he doesn't have a personality. I watched it back now, and he's he's brilliantly sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and, he, and he has these little digs that are, are almost too subtle for for American television. I don't know, I I don't know think, if that's a fair assessment, but... I think he's a victim of the adage that if you say something enough times and the magic number is usually three, it becomes a fact. Yes, yeah, okay. that's a good point. Yeah, so yeah. they're saying that he's boring, that he's bland. I mean, something that I think Daniel put in his book was that he deliberately, like, dragged himself down, like he wore his plainest gear, he wore his, like, basic stuff, with the idea being that he'd probably... He knew that Miz was his... Um, coach is pro and so the idea that he'd maybe give him like the makeover kind of like what they did with Caval in a couple of seasons so I think that was the line of thinking but what it did was yeah it really did you know drab him down yeah that that makes absolute sense he wanted wanted to he needed the Miz to bring that out of him as we said before that's like you say it was it was it wasn't what anybody wanted but it's what Daniel Bryan as as a as a wrestler and as a performer needed but Sorry, I was talking about just two more, one more thing, two more things on the intro. <laughs> the cowboy shit that Ryback was wearing, what the fuck? Village people. Yes. <laughs> Village people with muscles. Yeah. And I'll give me to credit, I know he got eliminated first and he's kind of the forgotten one of the Nexus, but Michael Tarver looked nasty. He looked mean as shit. I thought Michael Tarver had a great look. Mm, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. I think uh, Otonga as well. Uh, as bland as he ended up being, and when he stood in the ring in his wrestling gear, he looked very sort of bland, and there's not much to him, I suppose, apart from oh, we'll, incredible we'll, uh, physique. We'll get onto what's on his on his intro video because uh, he very much overpromises. Oh yeah, yeah. But when he's there in that hoodie, and um, even you know, jumping ahead a little bit, I guess when he walks out, he's in that hoodie and he's he's walking that certain way. I think he looked great as well at that exact moment. Yeah, no, that's something that's fair I, enough. For me, I think he looked great because he stood out and he stood out because he wasn't trying. Okay. Whereas everyone else was sort of like mean mugging the camera, like mm. Darren Young, especially. I remember the very first thing <laughs> you see is him making faces at the camera. It's like, geez, dude, chill out. Um, <laughs> Otunga is just stood there. And it might be a, an element of him, like, you know, ignorance being bliss where he didn't actually know what to do. So he did just stand there and it worked for him. Or like, you know, he was in a, an individual who could you know, put up with those high pressure situations. And so was just like, yeah, if I just stand here and, you know, do nothing, it's very much the, um, if everyone shout and speak 
if everyone's mm. you know speaking shape you know be different yeah everybody else is vying for attention on the camera i'm just going to stand here and then I'll, I'll stand out because i'm not doing what everybody else is doing yeah exactly yeah no that's yeah i've I've always never considered that so so yeah i fully get it but um we get the uh, the rookies are lined up and the miz is eyeing all of them up he, he tells brian to step forward and Miz sort of bigs himself up about being the unified tag champ and United States champ and, and his pro status and Brian's the rookie. And like, as we've sort of already uh, alluded to about Brian being an internet darling and travel the world and the phrase minor leagues and independence are used quite derogatorily. And even goes and says the internet bloggers say you're a star and you're ready, uh, ready for WWE. And say that you're ready. And Brian says, yes, and then he says you need to you need to introduce yourself, show personality, show charisma, and give people a reason to watch you every Tuesday night. And it is ever so graciously says that Brian can go out to his music. Oh, how kind! Yeah, it, <laughs> but, it, it is really good music. I mean, around this time I had that as my ringtone. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, the thing is, the thing is, right, me, me and you are of a very similar mindset in that we both we both really really appreciate the music and like this. I honestly think. Miz is one of those wrestlers that once he retires, he'll be appreciated more by the wider audience for everything he's done over the years. I mean, the guy is the first wrestler ever to be a double Grand Slam champion. Yeah. You don't get to do that by being shit. No. And to have started with an active disadvantage, because when he first came in, the locker room was entirely against him. And to talk about the promo that Miz cut or whatever you want to call it at the start, like you mentioned how he put himself over. He put Daniel Bryan over, like he mentioned yep. his technical ability. He, te- he mentioned all of the experience. And actually what he did as well is he's caught everyone who didn't know Daniel Bryan up to speed on the entire plot of what was going on. So, you know, credit definitely needs to be given to the Miz for that one. Yeah, absolutely. He's just clearly and concisely done that within maybe a minute, minute and a half. I'm surprised that that's possible considering the uh, 15 minute intro promos on every Raw. So, (laughs) (laughs) this is technical audio. This can you hear me? Pretty easily, can you? Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. It doesn't block your voice. Fucking hell, this is too technical, I tell you. Uh, Hey, I know you, don't I? You do. (laughs) Who's that? Hey, Rob. How's it going? Yeah, I thought I'd give you a better view. Look at that. How was that? I know I'm going to have to pay £1.50 for those type of phone calls. Who else is there? <laughs> well, you know the top right. Uh, SJP Box. Hi. Si. Yeah, oh, yeah. Are you doing all right? Hi, sir. Yeah, I remember you. Oh, you're the big unit, aren't you? Well, yeah, that's been said. It came into uh, conservatory one day and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Got high. Is that big? big Who's the other one there? That, that young looking kid. <laughs> young looking Thanks, kid. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, what have you done to your hair? <laughs> Nothing, that's the problem. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> really? What is that fashion nowadays or what? No, yeah. I just haven't brushed it. I brushed it. Okay. Well, that's it. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's not on this is 
when you don't brush it and you don't get much left, you've got to tough it up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Though. Said I got, I got the opposite. Down. I got the opposite problem. I got to smash it down. Yeah, but you're on, you're only young. That's why. Wait another thirty years, and this is what happens. Look, watch this. <laughs> That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. Go on, go. You don't touch it anymore because it keeps falling out. <laughs> anyway, come on, boys. What are we talking about? What's on the agenda tonight? Oh, what do you, what do you want? Actually, Dan gets drunk, and I, I was just yeah. for days off a part, half a pint of cider. I tell you what, Rob, I've only what I've only listened to about three minutes of the podcast that you and Dan have done. No, yeah. you've probably I'll be generous. It was probably about ten minutes, and all he talked about was getting pissed. <laughs> you got put strength. I couldn't, under, <laughs> I couldn't understand it. It was a uh, this this brew and that brew and this brewery and this beer and. Seven percent and nine percent, and that was it. You know, you you actually, I got bored because I thought he told me it was a wrestling podcast. Well, we're trying to avoid wrestling because people laugh and partners in the street when we talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, I'm off to watch. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here, so you can mock that as much as you want. I'm going to put you back onto Dan. But I love my guest appearances. I love it. Anytime you want to invite me, I don't mind. We can have a little bit of one minute. One minute, that's all I need. It's an open invitation. You're always you're always invited on. It's just Dan that's uh, trying to stop it. Dan said, Dan said that's all my mum used to is one minute. <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. It was, uh, it was at least a minute and a half, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to shut the door. <laughs> right. Good night, boys. See you later. Oh, sorry. Good night, gentlemen, and good night, boy. <laughs> Simon. <laughs> Man, the, you, you think you're insulting me? This is high praise. I'm like the oldest person at my work. So this is great. <laughs> you're the only person, oldest person at your work, but you you work in a primary school, surely. <laughs> <laughs> So you can't say that. You can't say that. I'm the oldest person in my work. I work at at a warehouse. Like, I'm I'm in there with a lot of... But it's all, like, students and stuff. I mean, I'm 30, so... Oh, my God, 30. You're rubbing it in now, are you? Shut up. I'm off. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, he's pissing me off. He's doing it on it. I've got to go, because... I've got to go because I can't hear what I'm saying in these, these earphones. <laughs> I'm going to put you back to sensible person in the family. Oh, no, she's not available. I'll put Dan on. <laughs> Good night, guys. Ta-da. Cheers. Nice to meet you. And that's why I'm a heel gentleman, because I have a knack for pissing off strangers. <laughs> <laughs> now then. So now you have to see what I'll put you. Now you still have to put up with well, we see what Andy has to put up with on a weekly basis, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. Uh, he, fu- he fully doesn't know that was being recorded. Does he not? <laughs> no. He listens to the first three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so, yeah, long story short, Miz is fucking brilliant. He's awesome. There you go. On the phrase. <laughs> I, I actually just reminded. I had that I'm the Miz and I and the I'm awesome T-shirt, and uh, Same. yeah, it was, it was one of those like I quite liked it. But then I don't know. It got it got too many funny looks in the street, and I was too young and I was a coward, so it it wound up in the uh, in the wardrobe never to return. 
You mean you mean like the sticker T-shirt? The Hello, my name is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's cool. I, that. I, I I I wore it unaware of of any looks because I'm oblivious. Um, so I'm pretty sure I got mocked, but I don't care. So he sends Dan, Daniel Bryan out there, and he but he looks at the camera and he says, "What Daniel Bryan and WWE audience don't know is that compared to him, Bryan's personality is drier than the Mojave Debit." And I'm quoting, I'm quoting word for word there because Miz can't say desert, apparently. He says Mojave, Mojave. Yeah, Debert. that's right. I remember, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, great way to yeah. show off that you've got a superior uh, ability to talk there, Miz. Mm. Yeah. And uh, if Brian doesn't show him personality, he's going to slap some into him. Well, I wonder what will happen later on. going <laughs> <laughs> to say for, foreshadowing there, listeners. Yes, yes. Foreshadowing so heavy it could have been done by me. And Cole, we will cut to ringside. Cole welcomes us to inaugural WWE NXT on Sci-Fi. Runs through the usual shtick. Who will be the next star, the next main eventer? Uh, it's Michael Cole and Josh Matthews on commentary. And Josh Matthews looks even younger than Joshua Goodwin um, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> He's sold his soul to Clifford, Josh Matthews, hasn't he? <laughs> Is that how Cliff ended up on you, Trees Radar? Um, I don't know why I made that joke, but there we go. Um, they've got a third member of the broadcast team. I was going to say, Andy from Bam Bam Podcast, still be out for you now, now that you've dissed Cliff. <laughs> I was just being factual. You're on the um, Bang Bang shit list now. I think I've been on that since about day dot. Third member of the broadcast team is the host, Max Stryker. He jumped at the opportunity for authentic, real insight into the personality, or lack thereof, of the rookies pursuing their dream. He'll be waiting in Gorilla to get reaction from Daniel Bryan or to pick up the pieces. I love Stryker. I I love Stryker. Stryker understood his assignment, which was chief shit disturber. Yeah. Yeah. His job was to get a massive R and stick it in and just keep (laughs) fucking about. He just makes everything feel bigger than it is. I I mean, you know, the the crowning glory of his career is Lucha Underground, but... It somehow just feels more important when Matt Stryker's talking about it. Yeah. I'll yeah. go with that. I like him as a commentator. I liked him recently in uh, in Impact as well. I was going to say, didn't he work for, for TNA for a while? Uh, yeah, well, no, he worked for Impact. Uh, TNA is long dead. Well, yeah, okay, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, this, is, this is my problem, right? Impact Wrestling still has this sort of lol TNA reputation, and it's very much re- far removed from what TNA used to be. Yes, it's still TNA, still the history, and they do the throwback shows on occasion. But Impact and TNA are two sort of very distinct things in my mind. But I'm I'm oversensitive about it because it's it's basically my favourite show. <laughs> See, I, I'm just I'm just old. I still call the WWE WWF at least five six times a show. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I've heard you call it the WWF. That's, that's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Capital Wrestling Promotions. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, Tootsmont. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Tootsmont had been one of the um, pros on here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Tootsmont and... <laughs> oh, <no>. So... <laughs> We'll get, we'll get straight into a uh, Daniel Bryan promo, essentially. He comes out and, and he does a little sidestep on his entrance and all the rest of it that we'll come to, to sort of know and love. But I'll uh, I'll open the floor to you guys. I want to start with uh, with you, Joshua. Uh, what did you think to this uh, this opening promo from Daniel Bryan? I mean, 
it was fine. As you say, it, the, it's one of the more difficult things to do is to talk about yourself with no real subject. So it's like trying to write a CV. And I mean, that's a ball ache at the best of times. So like everything that he said was okay. He um, definitely had a little bit of the whole, you know, the pandering to the fans element, which is a, it's an easy like trap to fall into because we think make noise equal good, but actually interest in your audience equal good. But yeah, I think it was probably for the best that Miz cut him off when he did, because he was starting to starting to uh, tread water a little bit and eventually he's starting to drain. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm quite glad you said that because that was roughly roughly the same as what I thought. Hmm. Was, uh, I like having my uh, my assumptions confirmed by somebody who knows more than me. Um, si, did you have any uh, any other sort of thoughts on the opening bit, or are you are we all pretty much on the same wavelength? No, no, I completely agree. It, it, it was better when Miz arrived, but I don't mean better as in I don't mean better as in it sucked beforehand. I just think Daniel Bryan, as I said earlier, looked more comfy when he had somebody there to bounce off as well. And that's what it comes back to, like Joshua yeah. said, talking about yourself with no real subject is tricky. When the Miz is there, it almost gives the conversation or or at least Daniel Bryan talking a purpose. So yeah. No, I I, I agree. I think what they wanted to do, they wanted to lower the crowd's expectations so that when they posted this ad for Wild and Young by American Bang straight after this promo, <laughs> it would seem good by comparison and people would go out and buy the CD. <laughs> Have you got the CD, Rob? I've got Spotify, so I've got every song I've recorded. But yeah, I'm on the same wavelength. As soon as Mids comes out, you know, Dad Brian does his whole, I'm a 10-year pro got an opportunity in WWE NXT is the next evolution and then you know we get the awesome and uh, the Miz comes out and he looks pissed mm. shades of tank Abbott there yeah. you go <laughs> well well he made he did make a fair point which was that he assigned him the task of coming up with something interesting to say and the thing that Daniel Bryan chose to say was I'm sorry which yeah but he, not- he said that, he said I'm sorry in, in a in a in a sort of derogatory sarcastic sort of humorous way you know trying to take the piss out of the Miz which it fully plays into why the Miz would be pissed off so oh it, sure which is when I said it was kind of too subtle for American for 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 a lot of people who, who watch wrestling or American audiences whatever that was kind of the thing I was digging at but the one that got me next when, when the Miz is saying you know mocking the I'm sorry and the lack of personality and the chariz- uh, charisma Brian says that the Miz better watch out or he'll submit him right now and I'm kind of sort of going, that, is that a threat or a promise? It, it sounds it sounds kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. In the way that Dexter Loomis story was going, it sounded like the Miz would be well into it. Oh, yeah. Just sort of sidebar, what, what's been going on with that? Because I've only seen snippets. I don't watch Raw because I can't commit three hours of my life to it. Uh, well, it turns out that the Miz paid Loomis to attack him to get more sympathy and get him more roles in Hollywood. Apparently, someone what someone did was they saw the news story about what is it, Juicy Smoulier or something. He was a guy who was in like Empire, oh, and he yeah. basically he basically did the same thing where he like orchestrated someone to attack him, and then and then blamed it on on racism, blamed it on MAGA people. Yeah, which <laughs> I mean that one backfired, and it, yeah, the, again, I, wrestling's always been a little bit behind the times. It just seems that someone picked up a newspaper from I don't know last year. 
I think it was that, longer that's good than that. For I think, I think, no, I think it was about 20, I think it was 2018, 2019, that happened. Oh, okay. So a little more on brand for wrestling then to just but, be about but, five but years, still, I think. But still okay. on time for Raw. Um. <laughs> See, again, this shows my, I suppose, my mindset and how my life is lived in my, my own little bubble because I've got no idea what anyone's talking about right now. And that, <laughs> and, and that goes with what's happening on Raw and this story in the newspapers. No clue. <laughs> We'll go back to Toots Mond for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about George Hackenschmidt for a while? <laughs> oh, inventor, inventor of the bear hug. So I'll love him. Oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think Miz and Brian actually had quite a nice, uh, a nice back and forth here, and, and Brian got in some some very good, you know, got in a very good line about, oh, do you know what I think I'm going to do? Go on a reality TV show, get a, hoof, a fur hawk, and then come out here and act like an idiot. Yeah, that was quite good. That was quite See, good. I, I think all of those insider digs, both back and forth, were very much considering that their audience would be smarter than usual, because yeah. I think that a lot of people will have been drawn to this show by Daniel Bryan. And so to have done that, and also to amp up the whole, oh, it's real, it's real. I know this was all fake, but what he said then, there was that was real. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, and it works because this rivalry goes on for years and years. You know, it's almost like five, six, seven years after this that they have that big blowout on Talking Smack, don't they? Mm. And, you know, <laughs> they have that big blowout on Smack. <laughs> this isn't Size House. Size like I saw the party. <laughs> But it's a great foundation, and I, I know watching this at the time, I I think I was, so 2010, I was, this was just before my 21st birthday, I did not appreciate the uh, the foundation they were laying here. I watched NXT because it was more wrestling content that I had access to at the time, sort of on and off, mm. but looking back, I've got a much greater appreciation of, uh, of what they were doing here, uh, particularly with, with Miz and Brian. And yeah, I just, I, the, oh. the opening bit was bland with Brian, but this exchange I I thought was superb. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I was um, I would have been twenty, and I'd have just about started wrestling training myself, and mm. so there, therefore, I thought a that I knew it all, and that b it was all about the wrestling, and so I was very much in like that team Brian and going, yeah, why why have they used the Miz in this role? This is a slap in the face for Daniel Bryan. And all real wrestlers, like, why have they done this? And now looking back, it's like, oh, right. It's because they hooked me, line and sinker, all the while thinking that I'm too smart for this nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Very clever. It's kind of sort of gratifying to you say that, that you got you got hooked in from sort of the other side, as it were. Yeah. To, 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 to most people. It, and, and that, again, it is just a testament to, to the good work that we're doing here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was I was still a know-nothing idiot, but I thought that I knew more than I did. So I was very much in yeah, that well, camp. From from what I've heard from from various people I know who've, who who uh, who wrestled and have wrestled and, and and have trained people, it, it it's a, it seems to be a fairly common thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can't remember if it made the cut, but our uh, our Wing Commander Nash episode, the first one that we did with him, was uh, oh, there were some stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much that I had to cut out of that for for legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. And ultimately, we with this uh, with this in ring exchange, Miz ends up slapping Brian, and he did what he said he'd do, and Brian looks angry but thinks 
So I think it's better of going after the Miz because you know he's got a he's got an opportunity here and all the rest of it. And I think Brian actually did really well in 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 telling that story in his body language and in his face. And to a certain extent, uh, as well as the sports entertainer versus the wrestler dynamic, you, you've got the whole Johnny Paycheck storyline here as well, haven't you? That yeah, you know, Miz has to show some level of deference. Uh, sorry, Daniel Bryan has to show some level of deference to uh, you know his senior in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we've all had times when we wanted to slap our boss, haven't we? <laughs> in, in whatever employment it may be, I'm not saying current jobs. Mm, yeah, I've had there. a few situations like that. Uh, and one, uh, the two occasions spring to mind. One occasion at a factory I was working at, I, I grabbed the guy and pinned him up against a saw unit. But I didn't realise how strong I was at the time, and his feet weren't actually touching the floor, so it looked quite comical <laughs> to other people watching. And I picked him up and pinned him, like you know, by the jacket against a saw unit before my dad came over and uh, told me to let him go. And in a more comical moment, I threw a cabbage cream egg at my supervisor at the co-op when I worked there. <laughs> oh, that, much, much longer so <laughs> you, you, you're giving me chills sire i used to be a union rep and i'm thinking Gee, you'd have been my nightmare <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's <fine> again <laughs> my supervisor was only like a year or two older than me and we were both teenagers and he was a dick and he said something quite uh disrespectful towards a member of my family and but he was already down the other end of well halfway down like one of the aisles in the supermarket so this is like actually out in front of customers as well um and the nearest thing i just grabbed the nearest thing to me out of rage and threw it it just happened to be a cabbage cream egg so yeah didn't go i didn't work there much longer after that to be fair <laughs> it sounds like he's just he's just lucky you weren't down the beer aisle then side si. oh yeah yeah that would have been no a... no no i si, si wouldn't waste beer <laughs> <laughs> I downed the can and threw yeah, the lob the empty at him. Yeah, I, I chose a Guinness, so you got the widget for the extra weight or something like. That, <laughs> that reminds me, of, we're on the. It was like a New Year's Eve, and I went round my mate's house, and there was a bunch of us drinking before we headed to our local. And we walk, we start walking, and my mate John decided that he was going to do like knock a door run on people, and, and he was like, I think about thirty at this point. And we're like, and he was like the oldest among us. I'm like, John, give fucking give over. None of us, you're the only one who's pissed enough that wants to do this. And eventually, we got annoyed. And, and Matty, who's been on the show before, just went, John, if you knock on another door, I'm lobbing this can at your head. Because we're having a few beers, just walking to town. And John went to like take the piss and try to knock on a door. And Matty was a good like. There was about ten people between John and Matty, and he managed to launch this can. Through everybody, not not like a curving arc, just actually through like a flat throw, and just nail him right in the back of the head. It was an incredible <sighs> shot. I'll tell you and what, I bet that fucking hurt as well. It wasn't a full can. It was it was a, like a three thirty mil can that was maybe a, a quarter or a third full. It was just a good okay. shot, and then and then then John went. You know what? Fair enough. I'll stop now. And you know, so, so, so it had the desired effect, and then we were walking through the station to get to to get to our local, and, uh, and and John picked up a bottle of wine that had been abandoned open in the station, and we had to convince him not to drink it. Classy. Well, I mean, you can't spell wino without wine, can you? <laughs> anyway, um, got distracted again. So we cut to backstage, and we've got we've got Matt Stryker being uh, King Shitstirrer. Asking about the slap and the embarrassment. 
Brian doesn't consider it embarrassing being slapped and basically says that he'll slap me his back at one point. I didn't like this, and I shall explain to you why. It's the explain first to me for why. <laughs> explain to you for why. So the first rule of improv is always, yeah, and. So this, and so for Stryker to say, you've just been embarrassed, and for him to say, I've not been embarrassed, is kind of misunderstanding the role he's been given. Like, if he's been fed the line, you are embarrassed, you kind of need to go with it. It's very much the yeah, and it's the equivalent of going, boy, it's weird up in space, isn't it? And he's like, we're down the shops, mate. Mm. No, I get. Uh, yeah, okay, I get you. Like, I, I'm so glad you've so glad you've said that. So because more wrestlers need to think like that. I often think that a lot of wrestlers could benefit from improv classes. Well, th- this is something like if you applied it to something in the ring. Let's say you're wrestling Ric Flair, and he's just like kicked your leg out. It's like if you grab your head. You know, mm-hmm. you've kind of got to go with what people give you. Like, admittedly, with like a promo, it's not quite so on the nose, but mm-hmm. the like the principle is still there. Yeah, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I think in this situation, it, it's it's not as it's not the worst it could be. In that Brian saying, you know, sort of strikers trying to lead him and say you're embarrassed. Well, I'm not embarrassed. I'm going to twat him back one day. I can I can see from from a sort of logical human standpoint why he that, would say that, but I, 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 but, but I, I don't disagree with you at all. It, it would it, there would have, there would possibly have been more mileage in Brian being absolutely fucking furious mm-hmm. and being embarrassed and saying you know how dare you treat me like this? I'm going to slap the piss out of him. Yeah, so so I think the other problem it faced was that moving forward in the show, every time they refer back to this moment like the commentary and that they mentioned how how embarrassing it was so i felt like it was the idea that he but, was yeah to be the thread they wanted to run through the program sort of thing. That, that being said one of the issues with not te- not cluing people in on the story you're trying to tell is they might not understand or know the story you're trying to tell mm. Mm. yeah yeah i also got a little me. chuckle here sorry dan i also no, got a little chuckle sorry. here when matt striker said and you know these exact words WWE is all about respect. And I was like, you fucking liar. <laughs> do, you, do you know what, Sai? Guess what my notes say. <laughs> that Matt Stryker I, is a liar when he said WWE no, is no, 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 no. No, no, no. Matt Stryker says it's all about respect. To quote Mags, he's a fucking liar. No, no. <laughs> you, you're both wrong. This is 2010, and WWE is all about hustle, loyalty, and respect. Mm. It's get out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, we're not yeah. shitting in handbags anymore. It's all about respect. <laughs> Is that a respectful shit? <laughs> yeah, we've moved on from uh, crapping in you know, divas' food and stuff. It's, it's curled out into an R. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hardcore Holly's gone. We're now a respectful institution. <laughs> yeah, but, but on this promo as well, you know, strikers saying, you know, Brian says he's been in the business twice as long as the Miz. Stryker's saying he hasn't been in WWE for a minute. And and they really are building up the WWE's the big leagues and whatever they've done before doesn't matter, like we said earlier. So I think he kind of, Stryker kind of pulls it around and says, you know, Brian has to listen to the Miz if he wants to be a star, but he admires the confidence of Brian as that's what it takes in, uh, in WWE. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if nothing else, like, if the purpose of this whole segment is to get people behind Daniel Bryan, like I'd say it's worked. Like 
he he's come across as the underdog. He has he can talk about how he's had more more experience, but then for striker to do the slap down, there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with that. Who don't believe that you know WWE is the be all end all. So you know it's going to generate support for Daniel Bryan, which I assume was the plan. I, th- I think this whatever reaction you have to this of, of striker saying w, you know going along with WWE being the big leagues and the indies not mattering. Like you say, the people people will have come in to see Daniel Bryan. It, it's one of those things where it's kind of a no-lose scenario. You're going to mm-hmm. piss people off who've come to see Daniel Bryan who who think that he's ready and he's the be-all, end-all of wrestling, whatever. So they're going to have a reaction and want to see how it plays out. The people who are the, who are the sort of entrenched WWE fans like I was mm-hmm. still want to see how it plays out because you've got this guy who has got this reputation in a section of wrestling that that I didn't know. But, mm-hmm. So what, what I'm thinking there is, so let, let me see how he proves himself. Let me see if he really is everything he says he is. That there really wasn't a sort of negative outcome to it. No, as you say, it was a no-lose situation. Even if he crashed and burned, it just reinforces the point that WWE is like, you know, the big leagues. Yeah. So I feel like me and you have been been talking for a while. Did you, did, Cy or Rob, did you guys have anything to uh, to put in? No, no. I mean, like, this is the thing I, I say quite often on NXT Rise and Fall. Uh, to quote The Rock, I know my role. People don't want to hear from me when Joshua's talking because he's so insightful as to what we're, we're discussing. So, yeah, I agree with everything that you said, boys. Cy, it's all bollocks, mate. I'm just chatting shit. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Don't say that. You'll expose us for what we really are. Hey, Shane, brother. <laughs> we're all frauds. <laughs> I've been upstage by my dad already on this show, for folks. I, I hope we're not frauds, because uh, Barry Wyndham's brother will uh, come and uh, do a do a tax return on us. <laughs> God, <laughs> brother-in-law. Yeah, I was thinking, what's Kendall up to? Oh no, you mean what? <laughs> well, you, Kendall stood at the back of the West Texas Rednecks. Mm. Oh fuck the West Texas Rednecks. <laughs> Fucking you hush your mouth. Fucking hate me. <laughs> I will bear hug the shit out of you, and you know I can do it. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I mean, that video for um, uh, that we won't put the reviewed in season one. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, I, 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 I thought you meant the video of me inside did for my only dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting for the check for that, by the way. It's, it, honest, honestly, it's on its way. It right, really okay. Yeah. It's going to bounce like fuck. It's going to be made of rubber, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> nope, keep all those jokes in your head, Dan. It doesn't need to be on a podcast. Um, anyway, <laughs> we <laughs> the main event gets announced as uh, Daniel Bryan versus World Heavyweight Champion Chris Jericho. Uh, but the match right now is going to be Carlito and his rookie Michael Tarver versus Christian and his rookie Heath Slater. Um, Carlito's out with a mic and int- basically gives an intro to Tava's entrance video. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Si on this one. What did you make to Michael Tava, Mr. 1.9 Seconds uh, entrance video? My name is Michael Tarver. I grew up near Akron, Ohio. They call me Mr. 1.9 Seconds because... I would hate the player. Hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. And that noise right there means it's time for Steve to booker it better. Well, let me tell you something. I'm Booker T, 
but they normally call me Mr. Five Time. And you may be wondering why they call me Mr. Five Time. Well, uh, let me tell you something. It's because I say everything five times in a row. Because while I'm doing this 2011 history lesson, see the rise of CM Punk, despite the fact you rarely even see Punk. I've noticed with my commentary, I keep repeating myself over and over, the same words over and over, like Kofi Kingston, Kofi Kingston. Keep on top of him. Keep on top of him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wow. Wow. So let me tell you something. When I come to the ring, I want whatever announcer is in the ring to say, it's Mr. Five Time. Book a T. Now, can you dig that, sucker? <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Well, there you go, Steve, of the 1.9 second man. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, mate. Don't worry about it. So, you know, Sai, what did you reckon to this video package from Michael Tarver and his box of gimmicks? Well, well first of all, how much of a star did Carlito look? You know, this is, what, 10, 12 years ago? Yeah. And I, I was a big fan of Carlito back then anyway. But he's one of those wrestlers, I think, that especially that era, that sort of, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s kind of time. There's a lot of guys from that period that I kind of forget about. You know, not saying that they did anything wrong. It's just it's just me and my, my lack of memory and so on. But oh, so you're not forgetful, are you? A little bit, mate. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, mate. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> but, to hear that. Carlito, he just looked like an absolute star, the way he carried himself, the way he spoke, everything. I thought, this guy is just superb. Tava, again, I suppose he looked decent. He's got the body he, the, the, and so on. The visual package itself, it concentrated very much on him, his dad being a, an ex-boxer and so on, or an ex-sparring partner for Tyson gets mentioned later on as well, doesn't it? And yep. Now, they're trying to get over the punch, aren't they? That he it takes him 1.9 seconds to to win a match because he can just punch someone and knock them out, which is fine because the more uh, the more you sort of push a certain move or push a finisher, eventually it, it registers in people's heads, doesn't it? You know, all you got to do is make sure that you're winning matches with it and so on. So I'm, I'm I'm completely on board with that. The saying that he can throw that punch so well because his dad is an ex boxer isn't quite the same to me as saying he can throw that punch so well because he's trained as a boxer or he has done this, that, the other. I mean, I, I draw your attention to, I, I, I suppose, Greg Garnier. Vern Garnier was very talented. Greg Garnier is his son. Didn't really work, <laughs> you know. Most of the Flair children are not particularly talented. Um, no, take that back. Reed Flair was amazing. <laughs> we've, we've covered both of his matches in WCW. And David um, Flair was fantastic as well at, at points. Uh, a Bruno Sartino's son didn't yeah, exactly fair. live up to his dad. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll even throw myself in there. My my dad is incredibly mechanically minded, can fix anything you put in front of him, and was a driving instructor for 35 years. I can't tell you which end of a spanner is which and can't drive. So it, it kind you know of... What, so I, I, will, I will go along with that, because as we've seen tonight, um, my dad is a much better podcaster than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, that that side of it, my dad used to do this so I can knock people out in 1.9 seconds. I know they're trying to say it's like pedigree, it's in his blood and so on. I can appreciate that. But that didn't quite work for me. If they'd have said he was a street fighter or he did this or he trained in boxing or he had th- if he had a certain background, 
I think that would have meant it would have worked a bit better. But that's just maybe I'm being a bit nitpicky here. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, the thing about it is you, you've got the legitimate three times Golden Gloves champion Heath Slater on this show with a not promoting as a boxer, mm. which is a little bit of an oversight considering he's saying he's a boxer. And then you've got Kevin Nash and Tank Abbott that both were legitimate sparring partners of world boxing champions, and it was never, ever mentioned on the shows. See, I never knew that. Well, you've not listened to Tank Azari, then have you? Fucking hell. One. <laughs> no, dickheads. <laughs> yeah, um, Kevin Nash was the sparring partner of John Tate, and Tank Abbott was the sparring partner of Carlos Palimo. I, I, I didn't know about Nash. Yeah. You know, Abbott, I was aware he's got a certain background, doesn't he? So, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that, I, I, and again, something else, I wasn't aware about Heath Slater. That's news to me as well. Same. Yeah, same. So, I think the, the only thing I can sort of half defend on this, to sort of play devil's advocate for this uh, promo package, is that he he points out that his dad was a sparring partner for Tyson, so it's in his blood, as you say. It's the, it's the legacy aspect. And then he does say that he was sort of, you know, I used to run five miles and then go to church before school. You know, and I, you know, I, I had this upbringing. My dad trained me. I don't care about people's size. I've been as low as sleeping in cars and, and wrestling for $20. And Now, sleeping in cars is the WWE euphemism for Cruiserweight. Because when they did the Cruiserweight Classic, every single one of them on the video package was like, my name's Roblick Strong, and I had to sleep in a car to become a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, they, what they didn't say was that it was all the same car <laughs> and what happens when the car stays in the car and, and also when they say car they meant, they meant tour bus <laughs> how many wrestlers can you get in a Sierra is that the, is that the, the equipment or <laughs> be fair, there were cruiserweights it was a cosy coupe ah yeah fair enough, fair enough. it was a Ford car <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's the only sort of defence I can give it is is that he did say that his dad's been training him, so he, like you say, he's got the pedigree and the, the building up the you know the whole adversity angle. One of my big takeaways from it is that he looked a tit in that outfit, but I wouldn't say that to his face. Mm. He's the sort of individual who can get away with dressing like that because he'd knock your head off. Yeah, it, it was kind of. It kind of reminded me of, of early DDP, you know, when he when he's dipped his head into the box of gimmicks. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Speak, Scottish Danny's a big fan of that on Nitro Nights. <laughs> he, he, he talks a lot about what DDP's wearing and all the different gimmicks he has at the same time. It's, you know, I, I say big fan. He's, he's doing it very tongue-in-cheek, bless him. But, yeah, yeah it's but ridiculous. But, you, know, it's, it's, you know, he's there. He's Trilby, Scarf, boxing, religion. It, it, it's... And that's, that's just also, and that's just Scottish <laughs> Danny, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. A word in edgewise, my friend. What did you reckon to all this? Yeah, it wasn't great. It sounded like he was half asleep to me. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it just didn't seem to have very much energy, and it didn't feel like that Jake Roberts talk softly um, so that people pay attention sort of thing. Mm. It, it just but it just felt, I don't know, uh, an air of entitlement. And okay. I, I guess we get an air of entitlement later on in the Otunga promo, and we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit, but it didn't feel deserved from Tava. Yeah. Uh, no, okay, fair enough. enough. Yeah, I understand that. 
I'll tell you what. Uh, sorry, that sort of you know explains better what I was trying to explain myself. I think that you know that that entitlement didn't see or deserved from Tarver. I just I, I didn't believe what he was saying. So it felt like a false. Yeah, it didn't uh, quite resonate yeah. with me as as you know when it comes to gimmicks and so on. I mean, I'm I'm so much about the actual in-ring wrestling than anything else. You can have the most ridiculous gimmick in the world, but if you're if you're a good wrestler, I'm on board with it and so on. But when it does come to gimmicks, if I have to really sort of break them down, the more believable they are, the more you can invest. Even if they are nonsense, you know, it's, it's got to work. And I think that's kind of, it's literally just popped in my head now. I think that's kind of why maybe I didn't get on board with this because I didn't quite believe it. I didn't quite get on board with the guy. Mm. Yeah, I can understand that, absolutely. So then, since you've said that, Si, uh, on, out next is Christian with Heath, Heath Slate, and we get another video package. He's, uh, he's a rock star without the instruments. What did you reckon to the hype video for Heath Slater? Uh, see, this is, I'm going to really contradict myself here. But I, like, <laughs> I love it when you do this. I like Heath Slater, but I've never got the rock star thing with him. Never got it. I've never understood it. You know, it's... It's like what? Okay, so so what? Do you, do you are you in a band? Do you do you like rock music? Do you, I've never quite. If you look at the guy, you wouldn't say rock star, would you? Just having well, long no. hair doesn't make you a whoa, rock star, whoa, whoa. you know. <laughs> but he stayed to himself for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why, but I quite like the guy. I, I know exactly what you mean, uh, and I'm, I'm yeah. in exactly the same position. He powered through with this gimmick, and there was nothing about him that mm. represented the gimmick. You, you look at a Ric Flair, and you believe Ric Flair is Ric Flair's gimmick. You look at Heath Slater, and it's like, why, why are you trying to do this? I, I believed a lot more when he was talking about, you know, the double wide, and he's got kids that he has to earn money for and stuff. Mm. That, that that felt authentic, but this felt, yeah, that he was just doing it and going through the motions. Heath Slater at this stage is almost like a country Van Hammer. Oh, <laughs> Van oh, that is absolutely <laughs> spot on the money. In the in that he doesn't he's not in any way the the thing that he's representing. Mm. On on the subject of people not being what they represent, I feel like both Heath and Tarver were miscasting their roles here, in that Tarver came across like with his backstory as that. They seem to want him to be in a fairly sympathetic light in that he'd slept in cars and that he'd, you know, wrestled for nothing. And then Slater, like just his natural presence, he just comes across as kind of unlikable. Like he's just one of those guys. And so I feel like they maybe should have had, you know, you have Tarver play that more sort of a babyface role and you have yeah. Slater play the heel. I mean, if you wanted Tarver to come across as more sort of a bad guy, Talk about how he's annihilating people. Don't talk about how sorry you should feel for him. Yeah, I've no, really interesting as well because so many of these rookies, we don't see all of them, do we, on this show? Well, we do. We, we see all of them backstage, but we don't see all of them wrestle or have their little promo videos or anything like that. The ones we do see on this show, I don't. Well, Daniel Bryan's the exception, I would I would say, but with Tava, with Otonga, and, and so on. It's not a hundred percent definite whether we're supposed to like them or not. I think at this early stage, it feels yeah. more like a test, like testing the water. Mm. Uh, the, mm. WWE obviously have a direction they want to go, 
Yeah. I want the audience to go in, but they're seeing if it'll actually if they'll actually follow. Which I guess I su- maybe it was intended to be that blend of reality TV and 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 wrestling. You know, maybe if the crowd had done a complete one eighty on someone, they'd have they'd have changed it. Who knows? Mm. All I can say is from this uh, from this thing with Heath, I agree with everything everybody said. My only notes are you can add him to the uh, the Frankie Kazarian list of wrestlers who look weird with long hair. <laughs> you know, no. Frankie the future Kazarian. I'm not, I'm not having that. <laughs> he looked, he, looking back now, he looks weird with long hair and so does Heath. I, mm. Has anyone ever seen Austin Theory with long hair? That looks weird. I'd, I'd rather just not see Austin Theory. I don't know. I mean, he, he is the hit the fast forward button on the uh, Sky Report for me. <laughs> Austin Theory's here. This is going to save me some time watching Raw. You mentioned uh, Heath Slater's hair. Maybe that's why I've got the rock star issues with. I don't know. I mean, I said earlier on, just having long hair doesn't make you a rock star, but it's incredibly flat, isn't it? It's almost, it's very, you know, almost like his hair sprayed it down and brushed it down. Whereas you look at other people who have played, I suppose, rock star influenced gimmicks or rock influenced gimmicks. The Kiss Demon. Yeah, well, that's a great example. The Kiss Demon, uh, Elias, all all these other people who have done some, even Van fucking Hammer. You look at them, Their hair at least looks the part, I guess. Whereas Heath Slater's is just like, it looked like mine when I was growing it out, flat and shit. You know, it's just kind of the the way it is, you know. it's As opposed to now when it's, um, well, anyway. If there'd have been seven rookies and a, a sarcophagus that looked like Gene Simmons, like backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir, I couldn't resist that dig. You know full well that I consider you to have luscious locks. Oh, mate, it's full of fucking bits of metal at the moment from work, and it's very itchy, but thank you. That, I appreciate- that, made, that made a change. I assume it just to be full of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beard. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> the flavor saver. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, God, anyway... Christian and Carlito versus uh, what the fuck's going on? It's Christian Carlito versus Tavern. No, Tavern Carlito versus Christian Heath Slater. So I got distracted by uh, by the majesty of size beard and hair. Um, <laughs> this this was a, a match that happened. Mm. It did happen. Yeah, it sure was. It did. The the only notable thing I've got in this match is that somebody in the crowd had a. Uh, a sign, and I'll, this is—I'm only going to bring this up now because it, it doesn't win my sign of the night. But somebody has a sign in the crowd that said "Rocky, hire me," and I just appreciate the ingenuity of. of we've seen like wrestling shows used as Tinder before, but now it's been used as LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll open the floor. What did you guys reckon to the match? I thought that at the end of this match, Heath Slater celebrated like Nobby Styles when uh, he won the World Cup. Yeah, I've got something about that actually because they said, and that and that was when Michael Cole said, "There's there's Heath Slater showing that charisma that Christian will be happy about." It's like he's just bouncing up and down a little bit, waving his arms. Is that charismatic? Because I do that when I'm pissed up up time. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, but if you want to fight when you're doing it. Yes. No, I haven't. <laughs> Just say you're showing charisma. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wear it with the bouncers in Gloucester. <laughs> it, it kind of reminded me of um, like an adaptation of like the D the D Brian Kendrick dance when yes. he would like 
saunter to the ring. Okay. Um, but no, it, it's not. It's not a replacement for having charisma. Jeez, it just. It was just sort of there, kind of like mm. this match. Yeah. 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 I, think so. I think I think the best parts of this were sort of Christian going for the kill switch and and the counters from Kalito and and those bits and pieces. But the, the match itself was was very very short, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes a short match can whet the appetite and. I'm not entirely sure this one did, but, but, again, I, I, also, though, but I also didn't need it to go on any longer. Again, though, I mm. suppose it's, it's only 44 minutes, this TV show. Yep. So you've got the video packages introducing people. They've got a lot of focus on Daniel Bryan, and, and, and rightfully so, because he is going to wrestle the world champion in the main event, which is a big deal. Their whole show should be built around that. So the other matches and other segments, I suppose, would be shorter and just kind of not much of anything, I guess, by by association to what else. Because again, 44 minutes, it's not, there's not a lot of time. And you got, oh, of course, being WWE TV, you've got to fit in 87 replays and recaps of what's happened on Raw that week. <laughs> so you're not left with much TV time, are you? No, you're not. And, and that was going to come up to one of my annoyances of of this show, and I've watched the, the couple after this, and it is the Raw rebounds, which... Yeah. Are just kind of there to I understand what they were trying to do with it, but also it just means that they have to produce less original programming. Yeah, so, it felt like a fob off. I mean, I said it to Cy the other week on NXT Rise and Fall when yes. we had uh, similar instances, and most you've got to assume most of the people who are watching NXT either are watching Raw or are not going to watch Raw. So to have like adverts for Raw seems real counterintuitive to do it the other way around and to have adverts for nxt on raw that makes more sense but if you've almost all of the raw watching audience like that are there are also watching nxt you don't necessarily need to remind them of what they've watched two days ago mm. i suppose one of the big reasons that me and sharon stopped watching wwe tv was first of all that that we didn't enjoy the product that's the main reason obviously but we found we wouldn't watch it live because of the time of night it is here in the UK and so on. So we'd watch it back on the old um, recording box doofer. I find myself or, or Sharon pressing the fast forward button more and more and more every week. Now, first of all, you fast forward the adverts. That's a given. But when you're pressing fast forward more and more and more because it's constant recaps, I find that incredibly frustrating. I don't know if our American friends are particularly, you know, they, they have issues with short term memory. But we could have something happen at the beginning of the show and we're reminded again 55 minutes later. And then we're reminded no. again on, on the hour. And a half. I, I, I know at the top of the hour is relevant to television production. because when Simon, people... Simon, Simon, pot and kettle here, darling. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not producing a three hour you know, television show. You know, and the top of the hour is quite a big thing in the States, isn't it? With regards to people flicking through the stations and so on. You know, a show might finish on one channel they're scanning through. So if you have a recap at the top of the hour of, I don't know, say John Cena, who is a, a recognizable character and, and their biggest star for, for this period, people may stick around because you've got a recap of what Cena did an hour ago that they may have missed. I appreciate why they do it. But the wrestling fans themselves having to sit through a three hour show and see the same segment maybe as many as five times. That, yeah. That's a big reason why we stopped watching. Because it just got too much. You see them back to back as well. Yes. We yes. had it with NXT. We had it with The Miz 
Bryan promo where Miz slapped him. And then literally the next thing you see is a recap of Miz having been slapped by Bryan. Mm. I think in they might have gone to a break there. <laughs> you get that a lot with American television, though, don't you? Well, one of the mm. things that really annoys me about American reality TV shows is that before the break, they show that what's going to happen after the break. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why the fuck would, would I watch this? And it just doesn't happen in British television. So I think there is sort of a cultural divide. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's spot ad, on. That's, that's maybe spot the on. ad breaks are longer. Oh, they they, they have more longer? of them, don't they, I think? They have more of them. There's, there's an ad break every 10 minutes as opposed to every 15. Mm, okay. Uh, on like, American TV. It, it's it's jarring. Like when I remember watching, I actually watched... I think the last row I watched when I was in the US was the one where Goldberg came back in about 2016. Okay. And it was great. You know, I, I enjoyed watching it, but the thing that comes every 10 minutes, adverts, adverts, adverts. Mm. And, you know, it was so distracting. I just, and, and again, it's a cultural thing, you know, give me 15 minutes, 30 seconds of adverts or whatever we get a minute. Give me another sort of 15 minutes and, and, and do it that way. It's, it is, it is incredibly jarring. I was going to say, if adverts are driving you to drink, log on to tartarusbeers.co.uk, put in the promo code UTTPODCAST15 and get 15% off. Yeah. <laughs> Rob's absolutely spot on with the, the American reality shows. Um, Sharon, again, each to their own. It's not my cup of tea. But, uh, you know, but at the same time, I love wrestling. People you know, laugh at me about that. Sharon watches a great deal of these American reality TV shows, like the, the Real Housewives programme. She's massively invested in that. Uh, and all that sort of stuff. And you do see the same scene or the same clips or an edited version of something over and over and over again. And she will often watch two or three back to back because she saved them up over a, a few weeks where she's busy or whatever. The amount of, say, for example, you get to episode three of her watching three in a row. I will know what's happening and I've got no interest. I'm just in the room. Because by the time you hit the third episode, you've had recaps of that episode, the second episode, the first episode. Then you're back to recaps of what happened at the beginning of the third episode. There is just so much of it. And I wonder if you actually sat down and clocked it, how much of that hour TV, well, not even hour, say 40 minutes or so because of the adverts, is new content, is new, is is like new television maybe. It's kind of been blunt forced into your brain. Mm. And it's shite anyway. (laughs) It makes me wonder how much American TV is designed to be watched in the background. Yeah. Yeah. There is a good no, degree cool. of that as well. Yeah. Um, but at the end of this match, we get the uh, we get the celebration, and then we're, uh, we're backstage with Darren Young, who looks to be sort of strategizing with his pro CM Punk, and the, uh, the Straight Edge Society, Serena and, uh, and Luke Gallows. And Serena is making her second appearance on the pilot. Because we saw her in JV Rich's kitchen while Jimmy Hart was doing the washing up on the first episode of Wrestlelicious, which means CM Punk is Wrestlelicious. So before we go into the uh, in the next part of the show, has, uh, has anybody refreshed the drinks, uh, Rob? 
Yeah, I had a Southern Hemisphere Double IPA for it's collab from One Drop in the Garden Brewery. It was quite decent. I gave that, I think, three and a half on untapped. And I'm currently um, just finishing off a DC Brow from In Session. It's an IPA, and uh, that's four and a half. Uh, after that, I have a Gola Secker from uh, White Hag. You never go wrong with White Hag, do you? No, never. Really? Yeah. And um, then after that, to go into beer number seven, so that this is going really well for an evening, from Unity Brewery, I have a hush. Sounds like false advertisement, because I don't think you're going to hush. Not that you can get a word in so far, but I'm, I'm trying my best. Joshua, Sai, have either of you guys refresh your, refresh your beverages, or are you still on the same thing? I'm drinking the same, my friend. I am on the same old spell. So Sai is drinking his urine, and Joshua is drinking the very nice cola cider. I wonder um, what percentage my urine actually is. It'd be quite high, I expect. Well, at this stage, age you are about 63. Yeah, don't let hear any naked flames. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> for God's sake, do not piss on a candle. No, I will avoid that. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear that. I worry, you know. <laughs> um, I am on uh, the Northern Monk beers again. I'm on the OFS series. I'm currently on OFS 090, which is a Czech Pale Ale. And it's 4.6%, so relatively sensible, and it's half decent, because, again, they don't make bad beer. Up next, I've got OFS 087, which is a Turkish baklava pale, uh, which is 5.5%. I'm looking forward to that, because baklava is bloody delicious, and you can't go wrong with a nice sweet pale ale. Fair enough. Yeah. It, it, it all spells an absolute headache for me tomorrow, so it'll be right. Standard right. Saturday, though, isn't it? Yeah, just, just, just don't get just don't get hung over, Dan. I don't, I don't understand why you bother. It's not fucking intentional. My parents aren't aren't big drinkers, so we 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 never really know where we got it from. But me and my sister are, are, are quite big drinkers. My sister is the opposite way to me. If she as much as like sniffs a glass of wine, she is destroyed the next day. But fair play to her. I admire her commitment to the cause because she just powers through. She'll drink four or five bottles. <laughs> she don't give a shit. She knows she's going to feel like crap next day, but she just does it anyway. And yeah, I just, I just get told I'm a dickhead. <laughs> There's no justice in the world, but I will say that uh, that new Bristol brewery, the Maple Syrup and Pecan Stout, was fucking delicious. And if they ever bring out an imperial version that's sort of 10% or above, I, I will ruin my life on that shit. He won't be listening, but Steve's a big fan of New Bristol Brewery, isn't he? Yeah, well, I say I say in the vain hope that one day we can tempt uh, tempt Steve into doing one of our podcasts. And it'll probably just be talking about beer. We probably won't even get onto the wrestling and, unless we want to put 50p in the dickhead and, and let him go. Joshua may not be familiar with Steve. He was uh, the, I suppose, co-host, the other half of Bang Bang Podcast when it first started. Yeah, He, he left uh, the show after a little while. 50 and episodes, yeah. Yeah, he, he was very entertaining, but the further the show went on, the more drunk he got. I, d- I don't mean over, like, the 50 episodes. I mean per episode. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, Steve's uh, beer always started with a one. Yeah. So it had to be at least 10% before he'd drink it. <laughs> there's um there's a Bret Hart, I think it's the Bret Hart two-parter that Bang Bang did. Andy, the host, has said he's never listened back to the second part because by the time they did the second part they recorded it both in one night uh steve was such a write-off it, but i've listened to it and it's <laughs> fucking comedy gold it's fantastic 
there's a reason in my tributes to Bang Bang in the hundredth episode, I had to include a toilet flush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. He went to the toilet live on air, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, Andy though, and Bang Bang, such an influence, man. You know, he he doesn't. I think I think Andy, and I hope he listens, and I hope he hears this. I think Andy is too humble sometimes, because that show was a big part in me starting podcasting as well. And I know it's influenced other people. And, you know, Andy's such a top fella. You know, such a nice bloke, so. Really yeah. Nice. Shout out to Andy. Despite what I say every week about uh, his guests being professional, Andy's there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think, think the thing is, behind the scenes, we all had a we all had a great day in Cardiff before, uh, before Clash at the Castle, to the point that I would have happily sacked off the wrestling just to stay in the boozer. Yeah, I, I think I'd have done um, the same. And you know we'd all paid for the wrestling, so we were going. But yeah, I'd have happily stayed there. It was just a, a good bunch of people, and yeah, Andy does. Uh, well, I, I'm on record now, so I can't say he does a great job, but Andy does an adequate job. And that's the day that we decided as well that Rob is punching far above his weight, isn't he? But we weren't allowed to tell his <laughs> missus. Well, you did tell her. Uh, I did. Oh, yeah, honestly, your missus is far too hot for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what can I say, Si? Ah, yes. Yes, the old baby's forearm. <laughs> so we were talking about NXT. <laughs> now we've deviated onto knob jokes. What a surprise. It's like an episode of the Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> it isn't just me and you in the room, sir. Si. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think was it was it Darren Young versus David Otunga we'd got. <laughs> yeah, it's about that. Um, so Darren Young comes out with uh, with CM Punk, and he's it's uh, it's pre cult of personality. So it's this fire burns, which I think was a great theme tune. Oh, um, Kill switch, fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. we uh, we don't get a uh, a promo video for Darren Young in- instead. We get a video of Punk saying he doesn't know why he's in NXT or dealing with Darren Young. He doesn't know who Darren Young is, and he should just be mentoring. He should just be mentoring Luke Gallows and Serena. So if Darren wants mentoring, he needs to accept straight edge. And, and Darren Young at the time is is another one who's been dipped into the box of gimmicks, and he's he's supposed to be the South Beach party boy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, th- this this all felt very very fast. I kind of like the idea that. He's a he's a party boy and so on, and he's paired with the whole straight edge society because that is a bit of a contradiction again, isn't it? Similar to the Miz and Daniel Bryan. I mean, it wasn't done as well, but I can see what they were trying to aim at. Maybe they could have done something with that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, Rob, what did you think? I think Orange Cassidy saw that CM Punk for promo and thought, "I'm fucking having that." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he just wasn't arsed, was he? Yeah, I'd say I think they're maybe planting seeds for later on down the line, because if if you've got the whole Miz Brian feud and you've established that, and then you've you've sort of started the idea of Darren Young, the party boy, with like being guided by the Straight Edge Society, there's obviously a, a friction there that you can exploit. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. Good. Yeah, I think I think my whole issue is that that Darren Young never felt he never felt real as 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 this sort of playboy character. It feels like they just took a guy, put him in a vest, gave him a chain, 
and, and a headband and, and just went, here you go, you're effectively budget Zack Ryder. The thing is with wrestling, though, they always promise a massive party. Oh, SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer. No, it's just a wrestling pay-per-view. It's just the same Survivor Series. It's not a party. Darren Young, party boy, what's he going to do? Oh, he's got a beach bar. whoop do fucking do Mm. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I'm really sad. I'm really sad now that this isn't a video podcast so nobody could see you do your arm movements for Party Boy there. That was that was fantastic. I thought you were going to say for me picking my nose. Oh, yeah. no, I, I missed it, that. I was, I was fascinated by Rob's dancing, to be fair. <laughs> it, it also works for a Cyberman who's had some gold shot at him. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps dying Cybermen, they're just party boys in disguise. Definitely. Yeah, that's, we all need to that's go... That's a t-shirt. Go... <laughs> But yeah, I think we need to, uh, you know, go back to 2010 and maybe explain to Darren Young quite how party boys work and what they do because he he wasn't he wasn't giving off those vibes. I wasn't. See, for, wasn't to my mind, to my mind, what party boys do is go into a generic sort of star with a boombox and a full length tracksuit on, play the music, start dancing, and take the clothes <laughs> off, and start going bam 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 bam. What they needed, they didn't need CM Punk because he's probably they needed Chris Pontius. <laughs> At least WCW tried with you know the the spring breakouts and the nitro yeah. parties and stuff. And you know, I'm not saying they succeeded by any stretch of the imagination every time, but they did try to be relevant. But yeah, no. Yeah. So speaking of relevant, next up we get we do get a video package for David Otunga, who's from Hollywood. He's a cut above everybody else. He's he's. The fiance is Jennifer Hudson's fiance. He's used to mixing with the stars. He's 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 gone to the, he's the same alma mater as as the president uh, President Obama. What did you guys think to all this? Uh, we'll start with Rob. Just to say before anyone else reviews this, just imagine you've seen nothing else of David Otunga's career after this. Literally, you've only seen this promo, mm. and I think just seeing this promo, you're thinking. Fucking hell, this guy's a star. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not even yeah. just the promo. When he when he walks out for the match and he rips the trousers off, takes the hoodie off, and you look at you look at that body and you think, this guy's gonna be a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I think I think to be fair, like going into this, this was the guy who they wanted to win. It's like Yeah. This is the guy they have plans for. He he carries himself very well he talks well as we said he, he presents himself as a bit different he's just kind of got that quiet like aloof energy to him yeah he doesn't seem to be a character mm, the, only, yeah. only, the only problem we really had with david otunga is the bell had to ring yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, um, in later years in late years of otunga I, I know they did the whole um he would dress uh, uh, that certain way and drink out the coffee cup and be like the the legal advisor or however they worded it for was that for Laurenitis he did that for? Yeah. 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 So that was a bit of a, a step away. But there's a big chunk of his career where he was literally just Jennifer Hudson's fella. That was his whole gimmick. Yeah. And I think split up now. So what do you think he does? Does he because he can't talk about that anymore. 
when the company that made Twinkies went out of business, David Otonga bought a shitload of Twinkies and filled a chest freezer with him because he said he didn't want his children to live in a world without Twinkies. And within a week, another company bought out the rights to the company and started producing them again. Oh. See, no, I don't know. On the bright side, he's got a load of Twinkies. Yeah, <laughs> but he's done that for his kids. That's lush. That is nice. But, but he's definitely a man who has at least now twice bet big and lost. Mm. <laughs> I can guarantee at this point he's lost a shit ton of money on crypto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's lost He's lost a shit load of money on Dogecoin or whatever it is. Or some of the other bullshit on that. But I, I do agree with what you say. You know, he's, he's got connections to uh, an A-list. Well, I say A-list. Maybe B or C list celebrity, you know, but you know, Oscar nominated, Grammy nominated, all the rest of it. Jennifer Hudson, he can legitimately link to to the president of the United States at that point, and he oversells himself as having the charisma of the Rock, the cerebral of Triple H, not the not the intelligence or the nous or or even a fake word like cerebrality, but he has the cerebral of Triple H and the power of Cena. That is that is fully shooting for the moon for a guy who's oh. two years who's two years from his pro debut. I, I suppose there's no harm in aiming high. There's no you're bigging yourself up, and and the fact that the, the fact that we've had these video packages, these promos for these these youngsters, these rookies. I say youngsters. That's probably not the right term. Rookies is probably the, the more accurate term. The fact that we're sat here now talking about that, and that's what stood out to you, Dan maybe it's not that bad an idea because he's he's really bigging himself up above it obviously now we know above his station but as rob said the first time you see the guy the first time you see the video package and then you see him walk out and look the way he does you think star so likening himself to cena triple h and whoever else at the time it probably kind of worked or made sense at least to be fair so i had I think I may have got caught up in the smarkiness of uh, of my assessment. So, yeah, I can see where you're so, coming from. So, as as a counterpoint to that, I think my my issue with that would be they say to aim for the stars, and if you hit the moon, you know you've hit the moon. I think Otunga's doing that without having learned to shoot straight. Like right. you do, you do need <laughs> to have some something of a foundation before you start making such wild claims. I don't think, like everyone said, Muhammad Ali always talked a good game, but I do think he probably learned how to throw a few jabs and that beforehand. Like, Otunga just, he's, as you said, Ali was already world heavyweight champion. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I said Otunga is the least experienced guy on the roster, as you explained, and it shows, like, he manages to screw up, like, his big finish in a two-minute match. Mm. Uh, with oh. regards to that, you, so, sorry, Dan, you, you say there, uh, Otongo is the guy that you would think they want to win. He has these uh, links to the celebrity world, which WWE are obsessed with and always have been. Uh, and rightfully so. You look at the first WrestleMania, it was a big deal having these celebrity links and so on. And he looks the way he does. <sighs> How much do you think they were invested in this guy at the time? Because... Do you think they brought him in because of that and then realised, oh, shit, 
we've not quite got it here. Because you look at other people who go onto the main roster, who you know it, history then you know explains maybe they're not ready or whatever. I, I'm in no position to judge, but if, with if, Otonga, if, if, sorry, say if I can jump in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think Otonga winning would be an sort of a, an ideal case scenario for WWE because they can point him and say, "This is our guy." Through FCW, he's blown away all these guys who've who've got all this experience on the indies and all that. And of course, WWE want a WWE product to come through. But I also think the casting of NXT was very smart mm-hmm. because they have multiple contingencies that they can fall back on. They've put Wade Barrett with Chris Jericho, the World Heavyweight Champion. Mm-hmm. If you know, if the World Heavyweight Champions prospect isn't going to come in the top three, kind of what's the point? You know, the, okay. And and then you've got Daniel. They've got the the whole Daniel Bryan and Miz storyline that's already the forefront of the show and already captivating. So people want to know what's going to happen with that. Ultimately, that fizzles out in spoiler alert in the middle of the series. But I think they've already, they've set up enough people to be prominent even in just a short time, that they don't need to put all their hopes on Otunga. He mm. might be the ideal scenario in, in one school of thought and possibly in, in Vince's school of thought. But he doesn't necessarily need to win and they've got right. they've got an, they've got alternatives. No, that's, really, gonna, that's a really good point actually. I'm gonna kill that theory now, Dan, because you know I did Fuck. the Goodwin part at the start. No, well, I wasn't listening. I don't, I don't know if you noticed so on Superstars, the Hart Dynasty beat Matt Hardy and the Great Carly. Matt Hardy lost. Trainer. Yeah. Um, the Ziggler Morrison R Truth qualifier. R Truth didn't win. So R Truth lost. He's one of the uh, trainers. Shelton Benjamin, CM Punk, CM Punk lost. One of the trainers. Edge versus the Miz. The Miz lost. And then over on Raw, Jericho gets speared out of his boots. So all the trainers that were on TV got shit on this week. Uh, Rob, you can take conspiracy theories and however much they may fall, may prove my point to be bollocks and just just <laughs> stop it. Is that maybe <laughs> foreshadowing the future potentially? Because obviously these trainers are main roster guys, but they're now associated straight from episode one with NXT. And that week, none of them did well. You look at all the promotions, not all of them, but so many promotions from NXT up to the main roster. And uh, it's, it's a big thing, isn't it? Wrestling fans online talk about it all the time. You know, this guy was superb in NXT and this guy was a star. They go up to the main roster. It doesn't work. They change their gimmick, whatever. Is it almost like that's kind of always been the way then, maybe? Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I very much theorize that it's still... Like the left hand not knowing what the right's doing or mm, not caring. Yeah. Like I think NXT was very much a side project. I would be surprised if Vince McMahon really had masses to do with it. Actually, for someone who's so hands-on with stuff, I think it bears out when you look at what happened with all the call-ups and that. I think a lot of it comes down to Vince McMahon never saw anything that happened down at Full Sail. He didn't see anything that happened here. I wonder when. I wonder if that was right or if it changed over time. Because these early, well, I know nothing of the game show 
period of NXT. I've seen clips. This is the first, for this podcast, watching this back, this is the first episode of Game Show NXT I have watched in its entirety. So, obviously, NXT goes off and eventually becomes what we're looking at with NXT Horizon 4 and develops into this little sort of cult company and has this cult brand, I suppose is a better term, has this following and everyone loves the in-ring action. And Vince is very much a case of not knowing what's going on down there. But here... This is in his arena. This is, you know, this has got his world champion on the show. Mm. And it's not just on the network in a similar way that other shows are produced and just put out, which I don't like. You know, I, I, Vince has probably never seen 95% of what's on the network because he, you know, why would he? But here, this is in a, his arena. This is on sci fi. This is TV time. Would mm. he be more involved at the beginning? And then think this isn't working fuck it off or i don't i I don't obviously i don't know i'm just i'm I'm picking you know you three guys brains because you you're far more researched and informed than i but i'm wondering if because of the size of the venue and the fact that these guys and i suppose in later seasons as well we talk about the game show aspect with like the the sporting competitions would pop up on the main roster shows would he be more involved with that aspect and this period of nxt than what Joshua and I are looking at with regards to what we refer to as the black and gold era and the full sale time. You've got to imagine he's in Gorilla for these at, yeah. the, at the very least. Yeah, yeah. you make that point, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we've already devoted far more time than uh, Darren Young versus David Otunga warranted. Um, the, 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 the one last question I have on, on this match is is around the finish, really. There's a very odd sort of spine buster looking move from from Otunga. And I have to ask Joshua from from a professional standpoint, like from from the layman looking in, it looked pretty fucking gnarly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that point, that would not have been the most fun, I guarantee you. Yeah, so so my question is did would or could that have legit knocked Darren Lung, Darren Young Loopy or was it storyline or was it a bit of both in, in in your opinion? So in my opinion, it was it was the finish in my opinion because that was Otunga's finish. Yeah. Um, for me, it was like it wasn't something you usually hit on the run, and so for him to do it on the run, I think the timing was off. Like Darren Young didn't manage to post himself up as high as he would have liked uh, I think uh, again Otunga was sending him down while uh, while Young was still going up Yeah, which you know these things happen it probably wasn't nearly as bad as it looked but it, it didn't leave the greatest first impression because I think it, even as a lay person you're like oh that didn't look great mm. yeah, yeah it, it's, it's yeah again as a lay person that, that's all I am in you know in terms of wrestling I'm I'm thinking that I'm I'm kind of concerned about this guy rather than oh shit that looked devastating what a great wrestling move. I think as well, and again it comes from talking to Joshua more on on our show. I look at the reactions of people who aren't directly involved. So you've got the two wrestlers who are involved in that particular moment. I look at the camera goes a certain way and 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 we're, we're our, our focus is supposed to be drawn elsewhere. I guess. But 
in replays and so on, you kind of look at other people's reactions around the outside that you may not notice. A referee is straight up to him. Yeah. Darren Young goes out the side of the ring opposite the ramp. I suppose the, the commentator side, I guess. He rolls out there. A referee is straight up to him, grabs him, looks him in the face, and and then the camera moves away. That referee's reaction makes me think, oh, shit, is, is, is everything okay there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- that's what I picked up on as well there. Rob, did you have any any sort of thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm, 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 I've put my notes that uh, it looked like it was botched. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be my takeaway. I mean, again, botch would be a strong word simply because they were able to keep going. I always think of a botch like where, like, <laughs> you know, everything has to stop. But since that was the way where they were going with it, and I think, again, we saw Darren Young next week, as far as I recall, so I don't think he was, like, hurt off the back of it. But yeah, it, it was just mistimed. It looked like, you know, he chucked him around like a sack of shit. It was not as visually impressive as it could have been. Yeah, like that, that's fair enough. And and that's sort of really the only notable thing that happened in that match. We get a replay of The Miz slapping Daniel Bryan. We get the raw rebound, which is, for my money, a, a much too long recap of Cena getting screwed at Elimination Chamber and, and the, the Batista match that we referenced before, where Batista punches him in the dick. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know if you guys have any more notes on that, but that is literally all I've got. I've got fucking replays, replays, replays. <laughs> <laughs> At least you haven't watched the Raw. Some of us had at this point. <laughs> oh, I admire your commitment, Rob. Rob. I really do. Oh, I, I love you, Rob. I really do. You go through some shit for this podcast. Uh, it, it's absolutely fine. Um, I, I watched Bash at the Beach, which um, I, I told Danny and um, Chris Bellis to cover uh, for Tank Talks because Tank Abbott's on it, and he's not. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but, but it, 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 it's three hours and it's glorious. Um, I know it gets a lot of bullshit. I, I, I thoroughly sports entertained by it. That's Bash at the Beach 2000. 2000. Bash at the Beach 2000. The whole Vince Russo, Hulk Hogan, mm. shenanigans commentary not knowing what's going on so much uh, fun <laughs> it's so much fun i fucking love it yeah see sal was trying to take the piss but it just sounded like he was touching himself no genuinely i loved it i watched it back maybe two three weeks ago you know there's a certain night of the week i have to go to bed much earlier because my start time in the morning and i will pick a random wcw pay-per-view and just put it on because i'll be asleep within 10 minutes that the following day, I went to work tired because I ended up staying out and watching most of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wait, Sharon that... tells me off. She's like, well, yeah. why'd, you, why'd you put it on the first place? It's like, I didn't expect to stay away. It just feels like it should be earlier in WCW, you know, starting out with uh, Chavo or uh, Hoovertude, mm-hmm. you know, and banging Cruiserweight match to start with. And then you got all the crazy shenanigans later on. You know, it's, it's, you've got decent wrestling and you've got compelling television on it. And on that note, we go back to NXT. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the main event. It's Chris Jericho versus Daniel Bryan. Uh, Jericho comes out with Wade Barrett, and this is Wade Barrett without a beard, with a little bit of a mullety haircut. And for some reason, he's draping a jacket over his shoulders with a flower in the lapel. Now, I actually, at the time, I was watching this on 
just I was watching this live as it came out in England, whatever. I tweeted Wade Barrett to find out what the what the flower thing was all about. And bless him, he actually tweeted me back and said it's, it's about X, Y, and Z and whatever, and thank you for watching the show. The problem is it's from a deleted account, so I went back and looked for it, and it's completely gone. My replies are there, but none of his, uh, okay. none of his actual tweets. But the, uh, the flowers that he had in his lapel all had a significance. But I don't think it was ever actually announced on NXT itself, which is quite annoying, really. But anyway, uh, Jericho gives him the job of, of introducing him. But before that, because he tells the ring announcer, Savannah, that he doesn't want her. Yes. And do you recognise Savannah, Dan? Because we have seen her on one of these first episodes before. Oh, God. Season two, episode one of Lucha Underground, Savannah is Dario Cueto's enforcer, Black Lotus. Really? Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> I never knew that. So, so I was going to ask, who's Savannah, what's Black Lotus, and what's Lucha Underground? Well, and, and the other thing that I'm really excited about, she has been on the American version of Take Me Out. So <laughs> you can find oh, that. Oh, why? We are fucking reviewing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, Jericho gives Wade Barrett the... Uh, the mic essentially and says introduce me and uh, he doesn't necessarily get it right the first time does he Joshua well he starts cutting a promo blessing and yeah. that wasn't quite what uh, Chris Jericho was asking he did literally just want an introduction he wanted an MC job at least that's what he said I guess uh, yeah. maybe he thought that Barrett was uh, drowning as well same as Brian was a little earlier maybe I, d- I don't know it's, it's a funny one this because it I can kind of, again, when I can, I can sort of pass it in my mind that Jericho wanted one thing. Barrett want, is there to get himself over. So I can see how it had crossed over into Barrett running down his accolades, saying he's Europe's number one bare-knuckle fighter. And, but, but he brings it around saying it's an absolute honour to be paired with a man like Chris Jericho. But then Jericho, Jericho will interrupt and say... This isn't all about me. Shut the fuck up and, and, and do your job. Yeah. So I think, because I did a little MC in earlier in my career, and without, obviously, you want to do the wrestling, you want to be the star. And so what I did, definitely did, at least on one occasion, was try to have a bigger role. So like for the main event, I wanted to do like the whole Michael Buffer, the whole like, you know, this man is from X, Y, and Z. He's done this, this, and this. And really it's like, it's not about you kid. Just, just announce the names and fuck off. And I think that was probably where Jericho was at. It was like, just, just do the names. And as you said, like Barrett, Barrett wants a bigger piece of the spotlight, especially because the whole point of this show, at least what they've been told is it's about like trying to claim the spotlight. Mm. So it makes sense that Barrett would try and do the whole intro for himself. I mean, again, it's... Sorry, go on. So uh, the, the only thing I was going to say is that at least Barrett, when Jericho said that Barrett had the the presence of, of, of mind to essentially just, just knuckle under and, and, and yeah. go with his character and say... And, and, and just say, have it your way. Yeah, so so there's a clip from, like... Did anyone see Breaking Ground? Does that ring any bells? Yes. Yes. So it was, it was the... 
like an NXT documentary talking about like hopefuls and people. And there's a scene in it where people are doing their forward rolls and Regal has said, you know, you need to step forward with your left foot. Mm. And I think it's gone around wrestling schools very much that like, oh, it's getting in the fighting stance, getting in the fighting stance. You've got to, so now everywhere does it where you've got to step forward your left foot. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about proving you're coachable. Yeah. I think it's about going, this is to prove to me that you're listening. So with an instance like that, where Jericho's like, just introduce me, it's to see, are you listening? In the same way as I think they maybe did that with Brian earlier, and he maybe wasn't listening so much, or if he was listening, wasn't necessarily picking up what was being put down. Yeah, so, so like you say, that thing where I remember watching that breaking ground and Regal just being so frustrated. Yeah. And when it's, I'm saying go forward, left foot, left foot or whatever it was. And I think you're exactly right. It was just like, just, just show me you can do what you're being told. Yeah. Not, not, not what, you, not what you've trained to do before. Not, don't do this how you've done it all your life. You do it how I tell you to do it. We're not asking you to stand out in this situation. We're asking you to just follow the instructions so we know you're listening. Yeah. I'm glad William Regal was frustrated because I'm frustrated every time he says that Blackpool's the home of British wrestling. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously Gloucester. No, I'm just... <laughs> well, I mean, we, we've joked about it before, but um, we, we, we're trying to make a strong argument for it being Bradford. Okay. Yeah. Hey, no, See, there, I, is a, uh, there is a massive argument for it being Bradford. Yeah, see, I always assumed it was Wigan, but I will bow to your superior knowledge on this one. Wigan has well, more of a shout than Blackpool. Well, yeah. we, are, we are thinking if we can be asked in 2025, we may well do a Bradford City of Culture tie-in. I, I honestly think we should, we should do that throughout 2024, building up to 2025. Well... You've heard it here first. I'm all up for that. Let's get some uh, Les Kellett's uh, goodness. Uh, we'll, just do, we'll, we'll, just do 12, we'll just do 12 episodes watching Les Kellett matches. <laughs> There's only seven on YouTube. <laughs> we'll fill 12 episodes. It's fine. We've done We've done nearly three hours on the first episode of NXT. Yeah, if the Telegraph and Argos is listening, this is happening. 2024. <laughs> the home of British wrestling podcast is coming. Yeah, so uh, just going back to the match, Wade Barrett had no bad news. He wasn't a member of the League of Nations. Uh, he just introduced Chris Jericho. And then uh, Daniel Bryan comes out. There's a bit of dysfunction on the ramp as uh, Bryan sort of takes the lead, and, and Cole was very quick to point this out. And actually, we've not mentioned sort of the commentary dynamic. Uh, yeah. It was very very much Cole being the uh, the traditionalist and Josh Matthews. Um, sort of sticking up for the young guns, which I suppose was kind of necessary. It didn't always feel the most cohesive, if you like. Cole was a bit harsh sometimes, wasn't he? I think quite yeah. almost spiteful in a way. It was it was a bit overzealous. Hmm. So poor old Cole, he had a lack of consistency because this was basically the genesis of the heel turn, right? Mm. Okay. This was like the start of heel Cole, but. Of while course. they had while they had him like going in with the whole like bashing Brian and things like that, they also had him doing like the play by play stuff. And so to have like him doing the play by play announcement and doing like the oh after the reprehensible attack by Batista, you then got oh Daniel Bryan's a nerd, and it's like you can't really have your mm. cake and eat it on that one. Yeah, yeah, 
and that well we just covered WrestleMania 27 for Steve and it was that whole commentary angle just fucking annoyed me <laughs> for it, for its whole run you know heel coal and the coal mine it was it, it was a good idea in concept because it made me hate Michael Cole but it just Anyway, that, that, that's completely... I liked when he was in the box. I thought that was quite cool. The coal mine, yeah. So my, yeah. my main issue with that would be that you don't want your voice of wrestling to be a heel. Like, you don't no. want your main guy... So they brought in Jim Ross to, like, circumvent that after a while. But to begin with, Michael Cole was still very much your voice of WWE. And so if the voice of WWE is a prick, it's like if Lance Russell or, Christ, like, Ed Whalen or... Uh, you always had to balance in that, though, didn't you? Bobby Heenan was the heel, but you had Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah, but yeah. and you wouldn't, you wouldn't. I was going to say you wouldn't want that the other way round. You wouldn't no. want Gino to have been that. You wouldn't want the play-by-play guy to be the heel. No, no. That, no. I, I suppose that's what we've always known. So that's kind of the way it is. I appreciate people trying something different, but the person calling the moves and I, I think the play-by-play guy is there to inform fans of what's going on. So whether that's fans who watch every week or, you know, I've done a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of commentary. I've done some stuff for a company that Joshua has worked for, pre-recorded stuff on YouTube and so on. And I've done um, a couple of shows, sat there live as the match is happening with the crowd and, and, and so on. In my head, I was always thinking if my mum watches this because because it's me talking my mum probably would if my mum was watching this i would need to explain to her what's happening so sometimes you get quite simplistic with what's in front of you you can't you can't be calling certain moves or getting too technical or too oh, i don't know the right term too marky too smart i i don't know but I, I in my head i'm playing to if my mum watches or if my dad watches and trying to keep it quite simple i don't think you can do that effectively if you're also trying to be a bit of a dick or the heel yeah, yeah to, to jump on that side um as you said if it's just your mum watching or someone who's not watched before like you don't want to be not not necessarily talk down to, but you don't want like the most trusted voice that you're being given all this like information mm. to. The main uh, voice, really, is the, that's the, the main voice you hear, the, isn't it? Yeah, the narrator, as it were. You don't. Yeah, want, okay, yeah. You don't want them to be a prick. You kind of want them to be impartial at best, maybe rooting for the good guys. You know, you want mm-hmm. them to be like that moral compass. Again, oftentimes they're the one delivering that narrative that maybe you have to have read between the lines a bit. Yeah. You know, I think you're absolutely right in that estimation, both of you. So I'm I'm, I'm going to skip ahead quite a way, because and this is another question for for Joshua. As as we get we go through uh, Jericho versus Brian, which is, for my money, a, a a good match, a good TV match. I have to ask about the the dive to the outside and the uh, the bump on the table. You are the only one among us who will have an inkling of how painful that is. Like, Hold on one second, young Daniel. I have done a running dive. Thank you very much. Yeah, but sign you weren't supposed to. You were shit faced. It was two a.m. and you were in a pop world. 
we hosted a wrestling match in my back garden in a rough part, rough part of Gloucester, and I ran 10 yards, jumped on my brick barbecue, and dived on my opponent. Thank you very much. So Joshua, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up the next day and could not walk, and I'm not exaggerating. It hurt like fuck. Great. I, I had the same effect trying to carry too much shopping into the house. <laughs> So, Joshua, seriously, mate, like, this whole thing with with Daniel Bryan diving to the outside and Jericho turning him in, mid, in midair and just mm-hmm. absolutely thumping him into the announce table, do, we, do you have any sort of insight into how painful that would be or any, any point of reference into that? So, the thing that's going to suck about that the most is... With most, with like all bumps, like the best way to, you know, take things is nice and flat with as much surface area hitting as much surface area as possible to like, you know, diffuse the impact. Now, it's clear that Daniel Bryan took the edge of that table across his back, which is why it bruised up almost instantly. The, The thing that I find very interesting about this, and it is something of a conspiracy theory, but I do feel as if I've got some idea of why this would have happened. Again, it's very much the rookie and the and the pro i think jericho called suicide dive i think he did that brian thinking that he was going to land it and land flat i think jericho spinning him in midair was a jericho thing for daniel bryan especially due to how they reacted after because brian like almost powered through and was like yeah i hit the dive like the way that he didn't sell it kind of gave me that impression and there were a few moments in the match like right at the beginning when they like giving each other like shit i think they're talking about what they're going to do mostly yeah so so your theory is on that dive jericho called for it spun him in midair knowing that this would be the big moment yeah i mean it probably would have been the big moment to have just taken the dive but i also think it's a way to shit on the rookie and a way to like because jericho is still very much like an individual from like that older school so the idea that like they're going to do something just to fuck with the new guy. I honestly can entirely believe it. Right, so so it was more of a fuck you rather than a let's make a star sort of moment. No, I don't think it was a let's make a star moment. I think it was a fuck you. But WWE is all about respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's... It's just one of them things. Like it was, this is still a period of time when folks are getting kicked out of the locker room and dressing in hallways because they've been, you know, deemed to be unworthy for whatever mm, reason. Like yeah. we're still not that far away removed from that. Also, it, it is still very much the idea of earning your spot and paying your dues, whatever that means. It means different things to different people. And yeah, I think that might have been a, a little Jericho, like, welcome, welcome to the WWE kid. Yeah. Oh, that that that's a fascinating insight, and that that is that is legitimately the, one of the main things that I wanted to ask you about because you know the, there's so much speculation amongst fans online, and there was at the time, and there still is now of of what that was. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not saying you're right or wrong. You know, there's only no. two people. There's there's only two people that know really. <laughs> in in yeah. truth, in truth, there's only one because Jericho will know what he meant to do. Because it might have yeah. just been a screw-up. Yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, so as far as the wider match goes, uh, Sai, what did uh, what did you think to it? I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. it. It, I suppose, it did what it needed to do. We had the moment of the 
the Wars of Jericho counter by Daniel Bryan. Uh, and they were talking about uh, earlier on in the in the show him being submission based and you know tap or whatever tap or snap. Yes, so I suppose it plays a bit more. Our into wrestling that. tap and snap championship. Five star wrestling, <laughs> fuck me rigid. What a fucking shit house pile of state that was. That riddle killed five star wrestling. So, so did Jake Hager. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, to me. The main the main event has got the world champion in it, the WWE world champion. That's a big deal for a show that is you know brand new. So I think that was a really good decision by WWE, yes. really clever decision. It was a decent match. I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever go back and watch it again, but if I had to pick something from this show to rewatch, it would be that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's about the highest praise you can give it. In the it it was the world heavyweight champion against the the, the indie darling mm-hmm. or the internet darling, so to speak. And neither man looked weak. It, to my for for my money, it did the job. Uh, that's sort of the basic summation of the match. Did uh, uh, side? Did you have any anything that stood out to you about it? Or well, we mentioned the the dive and that that, that bad bump on the desk and so on. That's yeah. the that's the big memory from this match, I think. Of course, the only other one would be the the Wars of Jericho counter to show Daniel Bryan being this submission based guy, and then the finish, the Wars of Jericho done like a Wars of Jericho and not just a Boston Crab, because it, it, so often Jericho does the Wars. And it's it's a Boston Crab now. But on this occasion, it was more, I suppose, WCW Wars, where Jericho doesn't sit down, but puts the knee in. And Daniel Bryan tapped incredibly quickly. There was no wasted time or anything like that. Straight away, bang, 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 hit the mat. That's my takeaways, anyway. Yeah, no, that's I, I love that because they always say the walls, and I'm watching him doing a, a generic Boston Crab going, that's yes. not the walls of Jericho. But I love a Boston Crab, though. Uh, to me, you sit on someone's back and pull their legs. That's going to hurt like shit. So makes sense. But, but if you have your knee in the in the back of their neck, their body's vertical and they're trying to wrench back. Like, visually, mm. the walls of Jericho looks kind of looks like it hurts more. Okay. So, to, to someone who has no knowledge of anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> so... Like the lion tamer, so the the knee and the neck version. Jericho obviously sort of discontinued using it as much because it can't be done on taller people. Mm. Like right. he can't, like he can't physically get them vertical, like almost lift them vertically and then get their knee in the position. I think the choice to use the lion tamer in this is Chris Jericho knowing his audience because he knows uh. that there's a smart fan. So it's a little Easter egg. Going, oh, that's the that's the hard one. That's the hard mode. That's clever, um, yeah. I didn't yeah, pick up talk, on that. And talking about, you mentioned the dive being like a star-making moment. For me, it's the way Brian catches that heel hook. Because I remember watching that like at the time. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to win. Because that's a heel hook. And that's devastating. And oh my God, he might actually win it. And the idea that Daniel Bryan almost beat the champ, for me, it, it was like, oh shit. Like, yeah, they see something in him. He is the best in the world. Yeah. And that, but, oh, sorry to go back but it was very much because Jericho was doing the whole I'm the best in the world but mm-hmm. it was it was the WWE best in the world against 
like a lot what a lot of people consider to be the best in the world so again it was another good piece of booking especially for the first uh the first show so all you needed was shane mcmahon to get all of them in there exactly so fair enough <laughs> there was a production element of this show that I thought was really good. I, I, did, I don't think they executed it well at all, but I liked the idea um, of Matt Stryker trying to interview Wade Barrett mid-match. Mm, and it felt yeah. to me like a legitimate sport. It felt like those old England games where Graham Taylor would be on the touchline and be interviewing the substitutes or the manager. Or it, it felt to me like you know the 100 where they've actually got the players mic'd up and you'd hear them mid-match, uh, and it felt like a real sort of sporting presentation. Wade Barrett sort of fell flat on his face because he wasn't really answering the questions, but I would have liked to see this kind of thing going forward a bit more. As you said, it added a, a different element. It wasn't something you saw on the regular TV. Matt Stryker in full shit-disturber mode, full Jeremy Paxman, you haven't answered the question. Is that, I think, Barrett managed to finesse his way through, but yeah, it wasn't the uh, wasn't the best thing you'd seen. In in terms of production, sorry, I, I do this with Sai, I like railroad over him. Um, <laughs> something that you mentioned in production, it seems as if Daniel Bryan didn't know where the hard cam was, which, yes. which seems to have been a deliberate choice, again, because Daniel Bryan did know where the hard cam was because he'd done the promo. So for me, is this something where another little Easter egg for the hardcore fans going... Act like you don't know where the camera is so we can say you're a fucking amateur. Okay. It, it, it's kind of, because I've watched a couple of episodes after this. Because I'm, I'm now, after watching this first episode, I'm kind of down an XT rabbit hole now. But I want to watch these upcoming episodes. Um, in, in episodes two and three, there is very much that feel of when one of the rookies is hitting their finisher, they do not know where the, uh, where the hard cam is. And, and it is very much played intentionally. Interesting. At least, that, at least that's how it feels. And that's based on, it's not even three full episodes, to be honest, it's based on two and a half episodes. Um, but it is definitely a thing that they're trying to do, which I'll always give points to them for trying something different. But if you're trying something different like that, at least try and get a different angle on the finisher. Have it, have it from the, the quote-unquote indie angle from ringside between the, the sort of first and middle row. Yeah, because if nothing else, like what they're doing here is essentially burying their young talent. Because mm, if yes. you're not especially wrestling savvy, they just don't look as good. They look like they're not as good at doing the moves. And so if you're watching it, you're like, oh, yeah, they're just not quite as good. So I guess WWE is better. I'll just stop watching NXT. Yeah. Uh, which um, if your long-term goal, sorry. But if, if your no, long-term goal is to make fine. stars, like, well, that's not going to make a star for anyone. That's going to make people think that there's a two-tier system. Mm. Which is reoccurring, isn't it, with NXT going forward? Mm. It still happens to this day. They, they present NXT as less than. Yeah, they really do. Mm. I mean, the whole, the whole NXT 2.0 thing, I was, I was on board with that. You know, let, let's freshen up NXT... Let's try and. I thought they were maybe going to go to a more sort of studio based kind of thing. Maybe that was my own my own desire, sort of projecting onto it. But again, it was. It felt very much like somebody had transplanted nineteen ninety five into twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, and 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 not in a not in a great way. 
I don't know. I've got a soft spot for NXT 2.0. I think there's a lot of really good stuff that has See, come out uh, of it. And this, um, is the problem. this is the problem, Rob, right? Because I didn't believe you about WCW 2000, and yet here I am doing a podcast every other week about WCW 2000 and fucking loving it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm now conditioned to believe that you're right, and NXT 2.0 has been fucking brilliant. <laughs> I've not watched a I- single episode. Well, I told you about 1970s World of Sport, didn't I, as well? Great, you're on the same wavelength as my nan. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she had a brick in a handbag. Uh, do, do you know what? I bet she fucking did. <laughs> <laughs> With regards to the, the Wade Barrett uh, interview on the, on the side, yes, I find that quite jarring, simply because it's not something we see in like previous wrestling or, or or current wrestling or anything like that. But at the time of recording, the Rugby League World Cups are on. So you've got the the Wheelchair World Cup, the Ladies World Cup, the Men's World Cup, and so on. And they do that. It gets to halftime, and they speak to players before the halftime break. And the first time I saw it, I'm not a big rugby fan, but you know, it's on, the wife likes it, so, you know, you catch bits and bobs, don't you, as you're sort of in the room and uh, and so on. I thought it was weird, especially from a football background when it comes to my more, shall we say, real sports, I guess. I thought this was strange, you know? But now, after a couple of weeks of seeing it, I look forward to hearing the players' thoughts as they walk off, or, or I suppose during the match, I guess. I know it's a break at halftime, but you're getting an insight into what's going on at the time. So I'm more open to hearing Wade Barrett talk uh, during the contest or, or other other rookies going forward, maybe because I've watched the rugby league. I don't, I don't know. I've loved it in the hundred. I know traditional cricket fans don't like the hundred presentation, but I thought it's been brilliant when they've done that. I don't like cricket whatsoever. As, as, and Dan's going to moan and bitch and call me all sorts of names into the world. He's doing a wanker sign now for those, for the benefit of those listening on the, you know, the audio. But I don't like cricket at all, whatsoever. But me and the wife watch the hundred because that's exciting. So anything they do is is almost new to me. It's and, not uh, like I've not, I've not got that history with Test cricket or longer format. So seeing the the hundred and then they speak to them as as you said, Rob, that's you know to me that works. Yeah, and and thing is, from a rugby league standpoint, rugby league and and wider rugby in general, they've always had in the last sort of fifteen to twenty years, they've always had the referees mic'd up so that people in the arena and on TV can hear what's going on, can hear the decision making process. And, and actually, therefore, feel a part of it. And, you know, you say about interviewing players mid-match or at half-time or whatever, I'm sure it's happened in Rugby League before this World Cup. Yeah, in, but I've, I've not watched much. Oh, no, no, no. no, no I, I, but the, the point I was coming to is that the current Rugby League World Cup that's going on at the time recording is is genuinely the most inclusive um, World Cup that the sport's ever seen so the upshot of having these interviews mid-match is 
promoting the sport, but also promoting the players as people. Now they may not know that they're doing that. They just want to. They're just asked a question and they'll follow through with it. But then it's hundred percent authentic. They're there to win. They're there as sports people to win. And it really comes across like I, I was. I was in a weird recently. I had a, I had a lot of downtime in in my hotel, and I watched the the wheelchair rugby league. And I've not watched a lot of it at all, really. But I watched this World Cup, and, and in the one match that I watched, there was a guy playing for England, and his dad was playing for Ireland. Okay. But they qualified for different teams just for you know the rules of international sport. So that in itself had a hook to draw you in, because obviously it's a small with a it's it's a sport with a relatively small group of players. Yeah. But we had that, and then I recognised a guy who I'd seen on the news about a week previously, who is uh, an ex-soldier who lost his legs in Afghanistan, but he's gone to to wheelchair rugby as you know as as whatever you want to call it whether it's therapy or just wanting to do something whatever and it's an absolutely fascinating story so you know it, it all does have a a place in i, I suppose it, it's going to sound reduct maybe a bit reductive to say but wider entertainment like people love stories like that and if you can't get invested in a story like those what are you going to get invested in? I, f- I feel I may have drifted off topic. I, I was only <laughs> going to try and bring it back to something vaguely wrestling in that you come for the sport and you stay for the characters. Yes. Yeah. Good shot. Yeah. Um, and that's like all sport and sports entertainment. So So, so we were talking about like the first Raw or something. Yeah, don't don't the clowns just come out? (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, we should we should probably wrap this up soon. To be fair, we've been going for far too long. Josh, Um, I thought you could go to sleep in a minute. (laughs) I'm very tired, but I've also got a cat walking over me right now. I just see. Also, Joshua's been up for a week. Yeah, I've been up for a week. Yes, that's why you need cocaine. I'm nicking around yours after this, so I'm going to go get some. Mate, my stash is all gone. (sighs) Just go around Scottish Dammies for the energy drinks. (laughs) On tap. (laughs) Yeah. The. Oh, fuck it. I don't even know a good joke lined up for that. Fuck it. But yeah, this match was good. And it was probably the best thing on the show for me, but. Yes. We get to the end. Uh, Brian ultimately loses to the uh, to the was Jericho, and Miz comes in. He's absolutely furious. He starts punching Brian and stomping him. And the one th- the, there were a few boos, but the mo- the majority of the crowd were kind of really cold. Yeah, nobody really seemed to care that much. Yeah, as, as much as the audience at home are going to be the smarter fan, like in my estimation, like the people actually in the building they've they've come to watch smackdown and super stuff so then they probably are looking at daniel bryan going who's this guy so yeah they that's that i think is why they do suffer from that lukewarm reaction yeah so So, in that situation then sorry damn in that situation then we criticize wwe for i suppose especially with smackdown in the past when it wasn't live piping in sound effects and so on 
in that scenario for the fans at home, would that benefit from playing some kind of crowd reaction or would that have not been the right way to go? Because to me, as a, uh, we spoke earlier on about Punk and Cena at Money in the Bank, we spoke about Rock and Hogan and how much the crowd reaction made that. They've got this moment here that is obviously going to be a big deal going forward with regards to the show. I mean, Rob mentioned earlier that this this between uh, The Miz and Daniel Bryan ran for years and years. Would it have benefited from some sort of pre-recorded crowd reaction then? I think you just got to wait for things to get over. Okay. You got to, things aren't going to stick the first time. Imagine the reaction to the people's elbow the first time you saw it. What? You've kind of got to let things... I mean, especially with a guy like Brian, especially at this point where he is just sort of a pure wrestler. I've said it before, like, he's going to take longer to get over anyway with like mm. a, a less, like a more entertainment savvy crowd. That's not to say that they won't appreciate him because like they love Bret Hart in the end, but he was always really like until later years, like he was more sort of a pure wrestler. Mm-hmm. Or like a yeah. or like a Bob Backlund or someone like that. Like it takes longer for them to get there, but then once they're there, that they're there. Like you know, people appreciate the good wrestling. Yeah, uh, Daniel Bryan as well. Here you said about him uh, toning down his gear, wearing his more you know withdrawn, less flashy stuff, and so on. He is a bit of a plain Jane, isn't he? He's kind of yeah there's nothing there from a visual standpoint to make you go oh okay what's this guy about no and i mean that's always going to be something of an issue for brian because like even nowadays if if you're just a regular guy flicking through channels there's nothing that really leaps out about him no and that's kind of like you know it's unfortunate but like there's a reason why you know folks like andre the giant had the positions on the card that they did it was because Mm. if you're flicking through channels you go I'm going to stick around and see what the fuck this guy's about. It comes back to being an attraction, doesn't it? If I can jump in on that, that that is why I had no issue with Braun Strowman and Omas being at uh, Crown Jewel because they had two big motherfuckers. And as a a sort of, I suppose, long-term wrestling fan, I want to see what the big lads are going to do. Is it going to be the stodgy... You know, cuddling bullshit that you know of of years gone. The Yeti, yeah. Or or is it going to be the Braun Strowman wrestling big show where he gets to do a, a nip up? Mm. To talk about specifically Crown Jewel, what's the average Saudi going to think when they yeah. see Omos? Still against Braun Strowman, it's like they've never watched a liquor wrestling, but that in of itself is a spectacle. Yeah, yeah, and and that and that's all what it is really. I think I think this um, this match did it did its job. It, Jericho still came out with a win. Brian looked strong. We got a continuation of the Miz and Brian. Rob, if I, if I'm missing anything in your estimation, please let me know. Not really. Just to add about the crowd noise, uh, I was listening to John Rezzi's podcast earlier, and I believe a lot of the noise that they still pipe in is from the 70s. Really? Oh, why? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, people have been long dead in those chairs, which is kind of macabre. <laughs> that's, mm. that, that's kind of upsetting. Um, 
Oh dear. Anyway, after that, we get a, a generic outro from uh, Matt Stryker and the rest of the uh, the rookies and, and whatnot, and saying this is the future, this is NXT. How weird is that, though? Because they're all at one point during the match, they're all stood supposedly watching the television, but they do the WWE sideways take. It looked like when somebody has won the league in football and they're waiting to applaud people on the pitch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you we've know, got to do the guard of honor now. Yeah. That's it, guard of honor, yes. And with regards to the finish of the show, Matt Stryker talking, yes, signed, whatever. He, he's building it up, he's hyping it up, he's doing what he's there to do. Didn't all the rookies look ridiculous just staring at the camera, nodding like fucking idiots? I got a big thing about wrestlers in the background just nodding, like, you know, just, you know, just come oh, on. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, yes. And they're all just staring at the camera, like, just nodding away. It's like, come on, lads. Somebody do something different. Somebody, whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, well, it's well, very, well, it was very for WWE. Love, for, the of, for the love of God, somebody slut drop. <laughs> <laughs> It's later. Twerk for crying out loud. <laughs> You've got kids. Work those buns. <laughs> but but it yeah, was, it's very, it was very WWE, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's very much actors as well, like acting as opposed to reacting. But then yeah. they've got very little to react to, so you just go, mm, yes, approve. And mm. you know, you, you've got to believe that they're all just a big jumble of nerves like every one of them there's got to be like the scariest prospect they've ever faced just the idea of like that red light being on and it's like i don't know what the fuck to do so i'm gonna just try and fit in with regards to that then being being a bundle of nerves they're on television they're on a a fairly established big channel with Mm sci-fi i I don't know i'm not from the states but is a wrestling show being on sci-fi weird to you? Because to me it is. We get sci-fi in the UK and it's literally that. It's Star Trek. It's you know Babylon 5 robbers, I'm sure you... <laughs> well, and well then, is it any weirder than a wrestling show being on Challenge? That, which is the most well, successful. Yeah, that's a great... Yeah, that's a good that's show, actually. Yeah, say, yeah. TNA, yeah. But if you're, you know, sat at home and you're a big sci-fi fan, you've just watched the Twilight Zone, back-to-back classic Star Trek, and then you see Darren Young. Is that... You've been sat there watching Highlander, and you've just seen Roddy Piper, and you've just seen Edge, and there's a, a massive <laughs> tie-in. Ah, oh, fair point, fair point. Maybe I'm, I'm not doing it justice. I don't know. Uh, and to be fair, the big show the big show was in Star Trek Enterprise as well. Uh, the big with show Scott was in the Waterboy. With Scott Bakula, yes, from yeah. Quantum Leap. Yeah, oh, yeah. God Captain Jonathan Archer. Anyway. <laughs> Coming soon to the SJP World Media. <laughs> I can't. I've got no more time. There's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> Rob, did we get any adverts? Yes, we did. Um, there were several adverts on the show. Snap into a Slim Jim. We got a Slim Jim advert, which is the first non-WCW Slim Jim advert we've seen. Oh, so topical. Yeah. That, that, uh, sorry to interrupt. That one was real jarring to me because it was like, oh no, it was WrestleMania sponsored by Slim Jim and then nothing. Like it felt like there should have been some like 
prompt read or something, some script, but there was just silence for a bit. It was like, Slim Jim. Where, where, <laughs> where, where's Randy? Yeah. <laughs> some archive footage of the Macho Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, we got an advert for American Bang's uh, new single, which is wank. Mm. And you can go to www.mobile.com and download Batista's ringtone. No. I can remember having to type in a code to get ringtones on my phone. So I'm all about downloading shit. Yeah, yeah, we've all been there. It's, um, you know, kids don't know the barn these days, do they? I had um, a, a ringtone for, bear in mind, I'm a big heavy metal fan and so on. I, my ringtone on my old Ericsson little tiny phone that glowed blue, and apparently glowing blue was cool as fuck in the 90s. So there we go, that's great. <laughs> that's the I only stopped using last year. Yeah, exactly. I, I would have that phone back tomorrow, mate. It was fantastic. Wait a minute, Dan Griffin is taking the piss out of someone for having an old phone. I mean, <laughs> Dan Griffin's phone is fucking Alexander Graham Bell's hand-me-down. <laughs> no, the, uh, not, the not, not, anymore, not, not, not anymore, Rob. The ringtone I have. <laughs> that you got yesterday. <laughs> a year and a half ago. The ringtone I had, despite being, you know, you look at my CD collection, it's Iron Maiden, it's Megadeth, it's Motorhead, and so on, Ice and Chains, and all that sort so, of stuff. So you've got a CD collection. <laughs> I have a, a big CD collection and uh, my ringtone was by the sugar babes because it was about 20 digits shorter to program in. And I was not wasting my two pound 49 typing too much out. Oh, I, I used to get text alerts for uh, the town results. And I remember there, there was one home game. We lost five, one, and it was 12 pence. Uh, uh, a message. <laughs> I, was, I was sat in the stadium getting these texts. <laughs> Oh man! I can, I can remember quick. my first mobile yeah. phone was so limited you could only have ten contacts in the memory. Yeah. So yeah. if you made an eleventh friend, you had to make a really tricky decision. <laughs> wait, wait, you, yeah. you you got to that point? Yes, yes. I mean, don't get me wrong, four or five of them were my family, but you know, if it was for a cute girl, I'd fire my dad off straight away. Fair. <laughs> What do you mean, fair? My, you know, met my dad. He might be attractive. No, but you're right. <laughs> no, but I've got your dad's number, so, you know. But, well, I mean, when you were in toilet, Dan, uh, Sai met your dad, so. <laughs> Sai met my dad months ago. My dad just doesn't remember, which is quite suspicious. Um, uh, uh, most Sorry, suspicious uh, because CM Punk is wrestlicious. <laughs> Thank God, um, th- thank God! Thank God! You saved that because I, I made some very odd and and slanderous statement against Cy there. But in terms of adverts that we've had for the show, Danny, our Scottish juggalo, said he loved this week's episode uh, and he can't decide what he wants more. Whether it's us to do more ancient QVC watch-alongs or some razor and mom pajamas. I don't want to do any more QVC watch-alongs because I nearly pissed myself. Andy from Bam Bam Podcast said he'd been cleaning the bathroom this afternoon while listening to the insanity of the Macho Man on QVC. So what that translates as is that Andy fell asleep in the bath and crapped himself. 
Yeah, well, God bless your strengths, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Paul Lewin at Spider Lewin uh, asked us which madman would have blown eighty pounds in nineteen ninety four on that shitty jacket. The guy who rang in. Me. Yeah, well, mine from Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. Me, if I was in my twenties or thirties, could go back in time. Your brother Cam at Cam Griff ninety two. Never. Yeah, he's wanting us to review the 1996 classic Santa with Muscles. He can go fuck himself because the better the better option for that is the uh, the uh, Goldberg starring movie called Santa Slays, where Goldberg Ooh. plays Goldberg plays murder Santa. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to get on to that. We, we've had a lot of feedback about the QVC episode. Uh, Graham from the Good Bad wrestling podcast uh, messages to say you loved the episode we got shout outs on the high five tom podcast and the just in time podcast and obviously on your 100th episode sorry uh, for chain wrestling you were shouted it out as well yes yes 100 episodes why can't believe people still listen it's amazing but yeah <laughs> I made it for the second half of that. I thought I'll tune in for the last fifteen minutes, and it was an hour and a half. The show was so long. the The platform that we put it out on as a podcast, as the audio version, I I I, I did the usual editing and all that sort of shit. Added the music and all that sort of crap. Clicked to upload, and it went, "No, fuck you, fat man. This is too big." <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> you've never heard anyone say that to you before sorry no i have not <laughs> so i had to literally edit it so chain wrestling 100 is out as two parts so i'm not a fan of that format but it had to be done well it, it, from what i heard it was a good episode and, and it's worthy of two parts oh, for, the, for the same at least video. your epi- at least your 100th episode was a 100th episode unlike that 107th episode special that Andy did from Bang Bang Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Andy. Yeah. Can't count, but we love him. So, for the sake of everybody on the recording and, and Joshua, who's been up for about seven days now, we need to get on to the awards section of the show. So, first award is Match of the Night. Joshua, who gets your Match of the Night? I think my match of the night has to be the only match of the night, which was Danielson and Jericho. So can I just ask this now, guys? Does this get a clean sweep? Yes. For me, yes. Yes, it does. Brilliant. We're, we're flying through this. Uh, MVP of the night. Um, Sai, who gets your MVP? Oh, I'm going to say Daniel Bryan. He was the star of the show, uh, wasn't he? C- can I ask a question? Does this get a clean sweep? No. It, it does not, For- no. Okay. So, so me, me and Sire on the same wavelength. We will go to Joshua, who's your MVP. Matt Stryker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good call. Good Understood call. his yeah. assignment implicitly. He yeah, was I my second that. choice. Yeah, I like that. I, I've given MVP of the night to commentators, interviewers, whoever. So, yeah, I get it. Rob? There's always got to be two sides to an equation, doesn't there? Daniel Bryan can't get the performance of the night without the other side of that equation, which is the Miz. So I'm giving my MVP oh, yeah. of the night to the Miz. Yeah, great shake, great shake. That is fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Some moments of the night. 
there might be some deviation in this. So, Joshua, what was your moment of the night? Uh, my moment of the night does have to be the table dive. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead of uh, Rob and uh, Si on this and agree with you. I'm going to book the trend. I'm not going to go Si. Rob, what was your moment of the night? Forget the rest of his career, but in that 30 seconds of his vignette, David Otunga looked like a fucking star. Mm. And I, I'm no, putting the Otunga vignette. I genuinely was not expecting that, but I understand it, Si. The counter from the walls of Jericho into... That is it a heel lock? Heel hook. Like oh, I thought it was like a calf crush sort of thing, but I defer no, to Joshua's better. better no, no, is a heel hook. It, it, the only problem I've got with that move is that it would legit tear your knee apart in about 44 Googlers of a second, so you couldn't stay in it. Fair enough. <laughs> I, 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 hope ne- I, I hope never to feel that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't, it's, funnily enough, you wouldn't feel anything, you just won't be able to walk. So next up is Sign of the Night. I already mentioned one earlier. Did uh, anybody actually see a Sign of the Night? We'll start with Sai. No. No, I didn't. Good. I, I, there, was, there was no signs. There was a lot of signs. There just weren't yeah. any good ones. Okay. I did pick up on one sign, which yeah. was when CM Punk talks, we drink. Ah, yeah. ah nice. But that was oh, a that that's was too. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Rob? well I, I would have gone for that one had I seen that one no, I'm gutted I didn't there was someone who had a sign that said who's that so yeah. there's th- some smarky bastard uh, had gone to this show knowing there'd be some indie talent they wouldn't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah no way so I actually gave away 50% of the signs I'd seen earlier in the show where somebody said Rocky hire me you know fair enough uh, the treatment like LinkedIn, and then my sign of the night is every time Punk speaks, dot 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 drink. <laughs> so that, that has to be the one. And finally, the most important award of the night the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. Who should I go to first? Sai, who gets your Rene Goulet? It's got to be Darren Young, hasn't it? Does it really? Oh, that's a look, isn't it? Hey, that. Does it? Yeah. Well, do you, well, do you know what? Park that for a second, Joshua. Do you agree? Does it have to be Darren Young? It does have to be Darren Young for me, mate, yeah. Rob, Rob, do you agree? Does it have to be Darren Young? Well, I mean, the way you're talking, it sounds like it doesn't, but uh, with three out of four so far, and in the words of Meatloaf, three out of four ain't bad. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, 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 you... You do me a disservice, sir, because it's a clean sweep. It's fucking Darren Young. <laughs> he may well, have in the words of Meatloaf, four out of four ain't bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, may, he may have fallen into the box of gimmicks, but he came out of it with some incredibly unique hair. So, yeah, that, that's the awards section over. I'm, I'm glad we could agree on uh, on a couple of things. Last thing before the plugs, uh, we have to rate this show a 10. Uh, Joshua, what would you rate this debut episode of NXT out of 10? There wasn't much going on with it, but it did plant a lot of seeds, which as a first episode makes a lot of sense is what you want to be doing. So I'd give it, I'd give it at least a seven, I think a seven. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Uh, si? The main event was good. I enjoyed that. The rest of it, I won't go back and watch again. Uh, for me, it's, it's it's average at best, so five, five and a half. 
Okie doke. Uh, Rob? Uh, a bit more optimistic. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It's really good stuff with Miz and Brian. Really good stuff with uh, the Jericho match. I enjoyed CM Punk's Orange Cassidy cosplay. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving it 7.5. Wow. Okay, fair enough. I'm on the on the lower end of things. I thought there was there was nothing terrible on the show. The vast majority was average or better uh, in all aspects. So I I'd give it a six point five. So why? Would it I'm, a, I'm a negative prick, aren't I? <laughs> uh, well, generally, you, yes. you just wait, side because would it surprise you that the community vote on cage match has rated this eight point one out of ten? What the fuck are they people? What are they smoking? What the well, fuck? Well, they've been around your house and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I don't do drugs, people. Yeah, <laughs> no, you try, but. <laughs> Everybody else gets there first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is genuinely surprising, but I'm glad people enjoyed it. Or, or, mm. or padding the vote, as it may be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my only thing about that would be that. I think anyone who's bothered enough to actually vote on it probably really liked it. Yeah. Well, people, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you do, you've got some bias on it, don't you? It goes one or two ways. People who are bothered to vote on it either really love it or really hate it. Um, Aye. Yeah. But it's, it's Daniel Bryan in WWE. It's a milestone moment for the lovers of the indies. So. Yeah. Oh, I get that. I get that. So, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on for this crossover of Rise and Fall and UTT. Um, if it's not too traumatising for you, uh, podcasting for this long, I hope we can have you back for the uh, for the final episode at some point. It, we'll give it a few weeks, though, eh? We don't yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I might yeah. just get some sleep first. <laughs> yeah, I need a nap. <laughs> so, with, with that in mind, uh, Joshua, can you please tell people where they can find you on the online shit? On the online shit, they can find me at Joshua Goodwin PW. That is my Twitter. They can also find me on Facebook. I'm Joshua Goodwin. In brackets, I'm the king. That's about it, really. In brackets, he's the king. But, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know he really is. He's doing good. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) I I, I, I tried to be nice and he's just sat there yawning. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm genuinely. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, sorry. This is just new territory for me. I'm just like, I've done something nice. He's just sat there when he's asleep. Oh bless. Sai, <laughs> uh, plug your shit. Where can people find you in the network and all the million podcasts that you have? <laughs> well, first of all, the network is at SJP World Media on Facebook, Twitter, and all your podcast platforms. Chuck it a follow, chuck it a like, give us a review. Five stars all over the place because we're fucking amazing. But yeah, there's so much there on SJP World Media. Wrestling, Doctor Who, Quantum Leap, uh, Murder in Mind. There's something for everyone, I would hope, unless you're a Babylon 5 fan. But we're... <laughs> Love you, Rob. Um... <laughs> But yeah, at SJP World Media is the best place to find anything I'm involved in. And it's not just me. So if you're sick of hearing my voice, there's so many great podcast creators, uh, podcast hosts doing various topics and so on. Um, But I suppose if you're into NXT, the best place to find Joshua and I is at NXT underscore Rise and Fall. 
which is carried by SJP World Media. And we're looking back at NXT, I suppose, the golden era, the full sale era, the, the rise and fall of the black and gold. So we start at the first episode of NXT that is not game show based um, at full sale. And we watch every show in order, review it. And you get the fantastic, intelligent insight of the king himself giving his opinions as to why certain things in the ring work and outside the ring work and whether they work or don't work and so on. So yeah, so at SJP World Media and at NXT underscore Rise and Fall. Sounded about uh, Rob, plug our shit please. Yeah, you, can find me. <laughs> you can find me at UCC Rob, it's really more of a mutual thing it's about the followers, so I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. You can follow the show at UTT Podcast. Season one, we looked at the highest and lowest TV rated episodes of the Monday Night Wars for each creative period. So that's really worth checking out. Uh, we, we do actually have a spin off series on Booking the Tankatari, where we're looking at the ups and downs, the in ring career of legitimately the hardest man that ever lived, one David Tank Abbott. And if you follow the Twitter for that at UTT Tank, you can get some hashtag tank facts. Such yes, as. Yes, you can. Tank no, Abbott. Tank facts. Tank Abbott won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry for his work on turning lead into gold. Scientists were initially sceptical, but they now have black eyes and have confirmed his findings. Yeah, <laughs> it's all completely true. Well, they shouldn't, you know, shouldn't have doubted in the first place, to be fair. Go you deserve yeah. on that one. Yeah. Most people wrestle with their conscience at one point or another. Tank Abbott's conscience is the only cognitive process that has ever had a five-star Meltzer-rated match. (laughs) (laughs) And time waits for no man, unless that man is Tank Abbott. (laughs) And time is still waiting. You know, indeed. I was going to say, if that match had taken place in the uh, Tokyo Dome, We've gotten seven stars. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and and Tank Abbott would have been taking those gold stars to the bank and cashing them in. Also, on the same feed that you're listening to this, you can hear the One Man's Meat podcast with Danny and uh, Chris Bellis, and they're Love going through show. the. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. They're going through forgotten storylines, wrestlers that might not get that much love, that kind of thing. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, and uh, just finally, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. As heard on this podcast, you can hear my dad whenever he decides to intrude. He's walking through the room right now. He might double back. He might not. Oh, shit, he's coming back. Oh, God, here he comes. Yeah, here he is. Here he goes. Yeah, you got anything to say, Dad? Hi, guys. Why can people find you on social media, Andy? Yeah, what, what's your Twitter yeah, Dad, handle? What, what are you on social media? Do you have Twitter or Facebook or anything like that? Oh, what's that? I don't know. No, <laughs> don't do that shit. Thank you. Uh, no, uh, none of that. Do you want a beer? No. <laughs> you, you can find Andy yes. in the Volunteers' Arms in York. Yeah. <laughs> Rob said you can find you at the Volunteer Arms in York. I thought you said Volunteer Arms. <laughs> That's a good pub. Yeah, so whatever that oh, was. Rob's drinking again, Rob. I know. It's, it's, Rob's it's what can I say, Andy? I'm weak. <laughs> yeah, Rob says he's weak, and also Rob has never had a hangover. Oh, sad. 
Yeah. Sad. I'm trying. Well, I'm trying. Join the clan. He's tried his best, but he can't get one. No. Anyway, listen. I've never put my arm around my son for so long. I've never felt so much. It feels weird. <laughs> you, you say that, I'm Andy, but you probably, yeah. you probably put your arm around Cam. Oh, yeah, sorry. I've just been for one as well. Yeah, he didn't wash his hands. Uh, <laughs> that was wet, wasn't it? <laughs> Dan's dying again. Yeah, but this time it was piss, not coughing. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, Dan Griffin 21. That's all I've got now. Um, (laughs) Well, what the fuck do I do after that, really? Um, Oh, you can listen to Dan on the Doctor Who pod, which is carried by SJP Warpedia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Tears, Sarah Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that will only make sense if you if you listen to outtakes a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, let us know on uh, at the Doctor Who Pod uh, what you think the various doctors were, uh, what you think the noise they would make when they come is. Words. Mm. I know. I know words. Yeah. I'm not proud of us. I am. <laughs> But, you know, you, you, you've met my dad, so it yeah. kind of follows on, doesn't it? just want to say, gentlemen, thank you so much for having us on. It's been an bl- absolute blast. I, I, I love the show. And being able to come on here and talk about NXT, that is not the NXT that Joshua and I are talking about on a weekly basis, and also watch something for the very first time. Fantastic. I, I love the show. Keep, keep up the brilliant work you do here. And, you know, again, thank you so much for, for asking us on. Well, thank you for thank you for saying that, and thank you for coming on. I'm I'm not going to put you on the spot and make you commit to it now, but if you did want to come back on and look at the last episode of this series, um, th- there might be an invite in the post. Yeah, there will. We'll start about midday because then we'll probably finish about you know <laughs> morning the day after. If, if we start <laughs> if we start midday Tuesday, we might finish by Saturday. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, that'd be right. But anyway, thank you, Joshua. Thank you, Sai. Thank you, Rob, for putting up with my bullshit week to week and my family's bullshit week to week. And most important of all, to Rob from SJP World Media, most important of all, thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, we have seen a groundbreaking event in television history, and next week we'll continue to make history. This is the future. This is unique. This is is NXT. We are wild and young. Welcome to the inaugural WWE NXT. Ooh.